0: Dragnet. The Jack Benny program. I'm that man. Matt Dillon, United States Marshal. George Burns and Gracie Allen. Oh,
1: good evening, friends of the inner sanctum. We offer you escape. Fowl Miss Brooks. Suspense. Richard Diamond, private detective.
2: Fever McGee and Molly. The great Gildersleeve. Yeah. Radio theater. In the
3: air. Dedicated to man's imagination, the theater of the mind.
2: You know what our call letters
4: WGN stand for, don't you? WGN Radio Theater. A special three-hour presentation with Carl Amari and Lisa Wolf. All right, about five minutes
5: after 11 p.m. here on the WGN Radio Theater. I'm your host, Carl Amari. To my right... The vivacious one herself, Lisa Wolf. What's up, Lisa? Hey, Carl. What's up? Well, we have classic radio all the way to 2 o'clock in the morning. You want to hear the Whistler in a little bit? Um, that's what we're going to do. We've got the Whistler in the second hour. We've got
6: Rocky Fortune. And we have the amazing amazing Mr. The Malone. The amazing? The amazing Mr. Malone. Oh. And Carl yeah. Amari and Steve Darnall. Steve Darnall's
5: so. here. Yeah. We're going to talk about the Nostalgia Digest. What's up, Steve? How are you? I'm great, Carl. Lisa, good to see you Good to see you. To it's a lovely a evening treat. out there. What's the weather like up there? It's it's <laughs> it raining. about seven foot nine, mm-hmm. and uh, I think it does get cooler as you, or warmer as you go up high, higher. Is it? It does. The
7: heat rises. Yeah, and, and of course then it meets with the the pressure front. So here's and the so thing. So when I'm standing next to some, you probably
5: want to be it's, about. It's,
7: it's raining on them. Yeah.
5: You'd probably want to be five inches shorter, right? And I want to be five inches taller. So let's make a trade. Well, that was an assumption.
6: Do you want to be shorter?
7: No, I'm okay. you that to him? Can't fit in any sports cars. What? No, you know, and that that has saved me on average. I was going to say a year.
5: <laughs>
6: That's where Carl's mind goes. Uh, but he could be an NBA player. But I digress. So. <laughs> no, but
5: it's We're uh... here to talk about the Nostalgia Digest. Now, this digest. Is has been around, what, 50 this years? Is,
7: no, this, we're in our 45th year, okay. and, and I'm in my 15th year as the publisher. Wow. Wow, uh, this other. is a
5: this is a great magazine, because it's all about what we all love here. It's about yeah. classic radio and nostalgia and movies and TV. Tell our listeners, if they don't know about this wonderful digest, which sure. comes out four times a year,
7: Steve is the publisher, Nostalgia Digest. Tell everyone what it's about. Well, you've summed it up beautifully. It's a 64-page quarterly magazine about the golden age of entertainment, so... In every issue, there are articles about radio and movies and music and what it was like to be alive during that golden age of entertainment and interviews with with performers from the radio era uh, and, of course, the schedule for your radio show, the Radio Theater. Well, our
5: show and your show because Steve has a show on another station, WDCB 90.9, on Saturday afternoons, 1 p.m. till 5 p.m. And I know this because I listen. Oh, bless I your I listen, heart. Steve, and I listened to Chuck Shaden before you had the show. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been at that time slot for a long, long time, yes, right? Yes, the
7: show is in its 50th year. Wow. Yes. Wow. And you guys it's play... almost as
6: long as we've been on WGN. You're catching yeah. up to us. Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Wow.
7: 50 years. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's only felt we've like been 60. here for
6: 50 years. It only feels like a few more.
5: Yeah, but uh, Steve plays Classic Radio on Saturday afternoons, and he has this wonderful Nostalgia Digest. He's kind enough to also print our schedule, so if you do subscribe to the Nostalgia Digest, you will know exactly what Steve's playing on Saturdays and what Lisa and I are playing on Saturday and Sundays throughout the Absolutely. entire quarter, because it's a quarterly magazine. Yes. Um, and it's chock full of all kinds of fun articles. Just yes. amazing articles. No yes. We have
7: a new summer issue, which has a cover story about a, an actress a lot of your listeners will know, I think, Agnes Moorhead. Yeah.
6: We talk about her regularly. Yeah. It's like a she glamour was...
7: shot of her on yeah. the cover here. It is. It's just amazing. Very and, cool. Um, yeah. And there's, and there's Articles in here about Mae West, and uh there's a great article about one of the early silent movie stars, Teddy the Wonder Dog. Teddy the Wonder Dog. And, yes, he was. See, he was you're gonna the canine hero. You're of gonna the teach Senate me something. I'm gonna read and this also article articles and about the the crooners. You know, Rudy valley and Bing and Frank, and um, yeah. a lot of. Uh, oh yeah, great picture there of. uh of Frank Sinatra. And even an article right. about growing up in the 40s and 50s and watching the Cubs and Socks. Yeah. So you get a photo of uh, the 1959 Go Go Socks. There's in here. great
5: pictures in here, too, along with the articles. And, yeah. you know, it's just a really great magazine, folks. And if you don't have, if you're not a subscriber to the Nostalgia Digest, I encourage
7: you to do it. Um, Steve has a very special offer yes. to our listeners. So, Steve, tell everyone about that. Absolutely. Yes. Now, a, a two year subscription to the Nostalgia oh. Digest is only 30 But if you order a subscription through our website, say, at NostalgiaDigest.com, or if you call our office and buy a subscription by calling 773-769-6575 and mention WGN when you place your order, either on the phone or online, we will not only give you two years of the Nostalgia Digest, but absolutely free, thanks to Carl Amari, you will get... A four CD set of Carl's Twilight Zone radio dramas, right? And Absolutely, that's like, and it's like a twenty eight dollar value for that alone. Yes, so, and you get
5: it thrown
7: in with with your thirty dollar subscription. I mean, such a deal, Lisa. <laughs> such Those a are deal. two
6: great products too, and completely Absolutely. different, so they go together beautifully.
7: Absolutely, yes. I think well, one of the things I love about listening to your show, and and of course getting to appear when I do, is that you know it's clear. It's it's a delight to meet people who are as excited about this era and these sounds as as you are and as I am and and the chance to share them with people whether it's through our radio shows or through the medium of print in the Nostalgia Digest. Yeah,
5: well, I, I mean, I know a few people that have that uh, subscribe along with I subscribe, of course, but uh, other people that um, and we've talked about it and they always say, you know, it's it's tried and true every single time they get their issue. In the mail comes four times a year. They're always excited to open it up and read it, and they always learn something. It's always entertaining. You have great writers on your on your uh, payroll there that are writing these things, um, and you have a very—I mean—it's just a quality magazine, and it's it's been out a long time. And you've got you figured it out.
7: Well, thanks you. Great. Well, I mean, Chuck Shaden, who started the magazine, has sort of set the template in the sense that. He, he reminded me with every issue he did that nostalgia is a very broad umbrella. I mean, I love, I love radio. I know you will both love radio. If this had strictly been a radio publication, there'd be an awful lot we'd miss out on. Yeah. So the fact is that, yes, we can, we can cover radio and radio performers like Agnes Moorhead, but we can cover movies and movie stars like Mae West and Burt Lancaster, who are both in the, the summer issue. We can cover though the golden age of humor fiction. -hmm. And how all those great stories were made into movies like Life with Father and Shaper by the Dozen. Well on television too, classic T V
5: is part of it often. And uh, then there's letters from people that listen to the show. They write in, you print their letters. There's. It's just a great magazine, folks. It's only $30 for two years. Excellent. of. Uh, you'll get it four times a year, quarterly magazine called the Nostalgia Digest. You will also get the Twilight Zone CDs. You have to mention that. Just,
7: WGN, just right? mention WGN, right? Just mention WGN.
5: And go to NostalgiaDigest.com, Nostalgia Digest. Nostalgia
7: digest.com dot com and the phone number again. Phone number is seven seven three, seven six nine six five seven five. You can call any time. Obviously, if you call now, I won't pick up because I'm here with Carl and Lisa. But uh, I. You don't have a clone. <laughs>
6: I was kinda of hoping if the phone would ring you'd answer it while we were on the air. You can't do that. <laughs> now that would be funny. Uh,
7: no, I just can you imagine the one sided conversation like it It's like what? Now no,
6: that's good no, radio, no, Steve.
7: <laughs> no, you have to mention
5: mention. Well you have to you have to get the nostalgia digest. That I wanna I mean this is a magazine perfect for our listeners, so check it out. And you'll you'll oh. know exactly what we're playing. And too. and we also
6: hope that you'll listen to Steve on WDCB. Yeah, on Saturdays. This Saturdays from one to five. Is point that out it's
7: a, it's a great Father's Day. A gift too it is. That is it is you know terrific picture of agnes morad
5: steve it's always great to see you my friend lisa carl thank great you great to see you. Love to have you you. do here. great work and, and that's why we love working with you because you do quality work and uh, your show is awesome uh, and your digest is awesome thank you and i'm You're thrilled that we welcome. get to
7: uh, to uh print your schedule within our pages yeah, as I well appreciate thank it. you very so much. much all right
5: let's take a break when we come back it's the whistler stick around All right, welcome back to the show. And before we tune into The Whistler, I want to remind all of our listeners about the Classic Radio Club. You can get 10 of the greatest classic radio shows of all time sent to you each and every month via digital download or on CDs in a collector case. And uh, Classic Radio Club is awesome. All the information is at the website, classicradioclub.com. Right, Lisa?
6: Yes, it's all there. And I wanted to make a quick mention before we start. Um, we did not do our Real or Ridiculous this hour. Next two hours, we will be doing it. And next hour, we will be giving away a pair of lawn tickets for Ravinia to see the Oscar-winning film, West Side Story, and the score performed live by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. So stay tuned for that.
5: All right. Our text in line, 312-981-7200. Feel free to text. In. We love getting your text, but it's time now for the Whistler. Now everybody loves the Whistler. It was a radio series that premiered. In 1942, a good mystery series sponsored for most of its run by Signal Oil. And the first guy that played the Whistler, believe it or not, was Gail Gordon, Lucille Ball's foil for years, uh, Mr. Mooney. Oh,
8: sure. But
5: the uh, the guy who played the role the longest was Bill Foreman. There was other uh, Whistlers, Marvin Miller, one of, uh, one of them. But all of the uh, great supporting actors in L.A., Jack Webb, Gerald Moore, Elliot Lewis, William Conrad... They were all the stars of The Whistler. And on this particular episode, Betty Lou Gerson stars in a show called The Human Catalyst from March 17, 1948. Here's part one now of The Whistler.
2: And now, the Signal Oil Program, The Whistler. Whistle is your signal for the signal oil program, The Whistler.
9: I am The Whistle. In the field of chemistry, there are curious substances known as catalysts. Curious in that their mere presence together with other substances causes a violent reaction in which the catalysts themselves don't take part. In a way, they simply stand on the sidelines, untouched by the reaction they cause, unaware what they've done when it's all over. There are catalysts, too, among human beings. And on the night of February 3rd on the terrace of a resort hotel in Miami Beach, a 17-year-old girl named Arlene Foster was about to become one. She didn't know it, of course. And, like catalysts in chemistry, she never would. But there on the terrace, in a simple conversation with her teenage date, Arlene was preparing to step into the role.
10: Orville? Yeah?
11: There's... there's something i better tell you. I want to be fair, Orville. Look,
10: Arlene, if it's another confession, I'm just not interested... I'm crazy about you as you no, That's and... just it. That's why I have to tell you no.
11: Vic's coming back, Orville. It's only a few weeks off. Vic and... who? Vic Stanfield. The orchestra leader that was here last year. He's bringing his band here to the hotel. Just as he promised me.
10: Well, what's so important about that?
11: Well, I don't want to deceive you, Orville. You see, Vic and I love each other. Huh?
10: What are you talking about? Why, he, he's an old man. He must be 30. How could Orville. he...
11: sometimes love doesn't pay any attention to ages. You see, before he left last season, Vic and I had an understanding.
9: At that time, Vic Stanfield was many miles from Miami Beach, many miles away from the Catalyst, Vic was in Cleveland, Ohio, attending a funeral service, moving up when it was over to console the widow of a dear friend of his. I do
12: appreciate
13: it. Mrs. Westover, I hope you know how I feel.
12: Oh, you're Mr. Stanfield, aren't you?
13: Yes, Vic Stanfield. I was one of Carl's best friends.
12: Oh, yes, of course, Mr. Stanfield.
13: Uh, if there's anything I can do, perhaps drive you home?
12: Why, that's very nice of you, Mr. Stanfield. My car is right out front. Oh,
13: Anything. Else. Uh, here we are.
8: Oh.
13: You all right?
12: Yes. How was I?
13: <laughs> Wonderful.
12: It wasn't easy. Um, you don't think any of them. No, no, nobody suspects a thing. No. <laughs> well, what now?
13: We'll be married in a month. We'll go south with a band and spend our honeymoon in Miami. Oh, that seems
12: awfully fast.
13: Look, sweetheart, let's not get into that again. We could hold a ceremony right in that church ten minutes from now. Let him talk all he wants. But, Vicky, don't you it's think It's that... clean, baby. There's not a trace, not a scrap of evidence. <laughs> Just relax, <laughs> baby, relax. You left your, your husband's fatal accident up to me. Now do me another favor. Let me take care of the future, too.
2: With the prologue of The Human Catalyst, the Signal Oil Company is bringing you another strange story by The Whistler.
9: it was clean, Vic. So clean that you and Thalia could flaunt your love at them. Throw it in their faces, let them think and talk all they wanted. Because you're sure that in killing Carl Westover, Vic, you committed the perfect murder. It's a month almost to the day when you and Thalia drive up the Lakeshore Highway to the little town of Fairport to be married by a justice of the peace. And that night, you're on your way to Miami Beach in the new life that lies ahead for both of you. And in your complete happiness together, there's certainly no thought that each mile on the train brings you closer and closer to the catalyst.
11: He's on his way, Orville. Vic's on his way back
10: to me. Well, you cut it out, Arlene. You're just being silly.
12: What's the matter, Vicky? Huh? Oh, you're so
8: quiet.
13: Oh, I don't know. I'm a little tired, I guess.
12: Yeah, uh, I'm tired, too. Happy, Vicky?
13: <laughs> you bet. You? You know I am.
12: You're not worried or uh, anything? I mean, about Carl. Look,
13: but... sweetheart, forget Carl. He's gone. He's off the books. <sighs> and there's just you and me. And that's why it's so perfect. Because... We're the only two people who know. The only ones we'll ever have to worry about.
12: And with us forgetting it.
13: Right, right. It's all over. Your life in Cleveland. Everything just like it never happened, baby. Oh, baby, we got a lot of living to do. A long way to go together.
14: (laughs) First stop, Miami (laughs) Beach.
9: So there it is, Vic. The aftermath of a murder you're certain is perfect. The happily ever after part of the story. It's like a chemical solution with two ingredients, quiet, inert, in a stage of precarious peace, awaiting the catalyst. Naturally, you don't know it, Vic, but as you and Thalia arrive at Miami Beach and check into your hotel suite, the little human catalyst, Arlene Foster, very close to you now, is suffering from some very shocking news. <laughs>
11: what in the world is the matter with you? I, I'm sorry, Mother. You haven't eaten a decent meal for a week. You wouldn't understand. Well, I have a pretty good idea what it is. The same thing happened last year about this time, didn't it? It's never happened before. Anything like this, that is. Well, if I'd have known it been like this when your father told me he was going to manage this hotel, I'd have stayed up north. Who is it this time? The bass player, the tenor saxophone. Or is it Victor Stanfield himself? How oh, can you do it? How oh, can you say uh, that? Uh, oh, oh, wait a minute, Eileen.
15: I wonder if boys are any easier.
9: Eileen walks slowly down the hall, stops at the telephone, begins to think.
11: Mary. Vic, Mary. But but he couldn't love her. Somebody ought to tell her what she's doing to Vic. She has no right to be his wife. He doesn't love her. He can't possibly love her. Somebody ought to call her on the telephone. The telephone.
12: The telephone. Excuse me, Vic. I'll get it. Sure. Hello? Mrs. Stanfield? Yes.
11: There's something you should know, Mrs. Stanfield. About your husband. Who is this? I'd rather not say. I'm calling to tell you you made a very serious mistake. A dangerous one.
12: Just a minute. Victor
11: doesn't love you, Mrs. Stanfield. He never did. He's been in love with someone else for a long time.
12: See here, if you think I'm going to listen That's to you... That's all I
11: have to say. You may not believe it now, but you'll find out soon enough. I've told you the truth. Well,
12: there's something you ought to know, whoever you are. I Hello? 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 All the... In a way, it's kind of funny. <laughs> well, I tell Vic. Darling! <laughs> I had to run right up the minute I got off the plane. Well, I'd have shot
13: you if you hadn't, Jeannie. <laughs> Lord, it's so good to see you. It seems like a year since we... um, Vic. Oh. Oh, oh uh, Thalia. Uh, uh, darling, this is Jeannie Long. I've mentioned her to you. Used to sing with a band.
12: Uh, how do you do? Yes.
13: Uh, Jeannie's back with us for this engagement, darling. <laughs> been a long time, huh, Jeannie? You know, Othelia, we two practically started out together. Is that right, Jeannie? Mm-hmm.
15: Um, well, I'd better be getting down to my room. I've got to unpack, and
12: you know how it is.
15: Take care, Vicky. See you in an
12: hour or so.
13: Uh, yeah, yeah, you bet.
12: She's a lovely girl, Vic.
13: Yeah, yeah, swell, swell. Huh. Well, let me see, where was I... Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, here we are. What's that? Uh, this is a property assignment, darling. I meant to bring it up before this, but I just didn't get around to it. Look, I think we'd better put your property, all your assets, in fact, in my name. What? Oh, don't, don't look at me like that, darling. I'm not after your money. It's a, a, a legal thing, dear, a, a way of protecting your share of Carl's estate from any stray creditors that he happened to leave kicking around, you know. I had the papers drawn up yesterday afternoon, and I... What's the matter, Vic? Uh,
12: Vic, give me a cigarette, will you? Sure. Thanks. Now, uh, tell me, how long have you been thinking about this?
13: Thinking about it?
12: Why? Mm, I'm just curious. I think I have a right to be. There's $180,000, roughly, and property in Cleveland.
13: I don't like the way you said that.
12: Then I'm sorry, but I think you'd better explain it more carefully.
13: I was about to, my darling, when that phone call. Wait a minute. Who was that call from, Thalia?
12: It, it was nothing important.
13: No, I think it was. Look, who do you know in town, Thalia? Who'd be calling you on the telephone?
12: Huh? Worried, Vicky. Maybe. To bed. Because I've decided I won't tell you who it was, and as far as those papers go, I just don't think I'll sign them.
13: Any particular reason?
12: I don't know. Intuition,
13: maybe. I think it's something else. But there's no point going into that now. I'm due downstairs in ten minutes. Good night.
5: All right, that's the first portion of The Whistler with the Human Catalyst from 1948. More after these words.
4: Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolfe.
5: Lisa brought snacks. I can't eat any of these snacks. I ate so much food today. Um, we're listening to something fun. The Whistler. This is one of the most popular mystery shows of the golden age of radio. It was on a long, long time. It was like 800 broadcasts or something like that. There was also some movies made about The Whistler, but it never, I don't think, made a transition to television. Although it would work, I think. It would be an interesting show on TV, The Whistler. A lot of these shows would just work great on TV that didn't make the transition. A lot of the show... Johnny Dollar never made it to television. Don't you think Johnny Dollar would be a great TV show? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I do. Right, Vivacious? Right,
10: Vivacious.
5: (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, we're listening to The Human Catalyst from March 17, 1948. Here's the conclusion.
9: The reaction's well underway now, Vic. Something's wrong. You know it. You can feel it gnawing away inside you the rest of the evening. But you get hold of yourself when the job's over. Yes, it's ridiculous letting your imagination run away like that. Thalia's all right. She's got to be all right. She has your life in her hands. It's almost two in the morning when you let yourself into the dark apartment on the tenth floor... ...hoping she's thought it over, too. That the strange way she turned on you when you mentioned the assignment papers didn't mean what you were afraid it meant.
2: Tell you, you awake?
8: Yes. I'm
13: glad you are. No, no, skip the light. Look, Tell you, there's a few things we've got to get straight.
12: You, uh, you sound very determined.
13: I am. Look, we can't afford to have any secrets between us, David. Have we? I think we have. That phone call, for instance, why won't you talk about it? What are you doing to me?
12: Maybe I should ask you the same question. What are you doing to me? Why is it suddenly necessary to sign everything over to you? That, that property's mine. I intend to leave it that way.
13: Oh. So that's it. That's what's eating huh?
12: Nothing's eating me, Vic. If you never really understood me, I can be practical,
13: too. Oh, sure, sure. Of course, you don't want to overlook a couple of other little considerations, like marriage, like love. Love? Yeah, love. You sound like you doubt that. Tell you, maybe you ought to add things up again. I plan the whole thing. I lie. I commit murder for you. I see it straight through, then suddenly it isn't enough. You're not satisfied. I didn't say that. I understand your position quite clearly. Then it's worse. How can you talk this way when I'm out on a limb alone? Not a chance to tie you into any part of it. You try to tell me nothing has changed, that you're just being practical. What kind of understanding is that
12: Thalia? Is it any good for me, is it? You're good, Vic. Convincing, very sincere. Only through it all I can hear only one thing, the money. I want that. But there's a very good reason, Yes, So I've discovered. Good night. Wait a minute, Pally, wait Good night, see
3: Look, mister, when you hire a private detective, you at least have to tell him what the job's all about.
13: Look, I've told you all you need to know, Mr. Shannon. What's wrong with your wife? You afraid she's thinking of suicide or something? I don't know, I don't know. Look, if you want the job, simply do as I
9: ask. Follow her. Wherever she goes, follow her and keep me informed. Okay, mister. She'll never leave that hotel without me tagging right along. It's a stalemate now. Both of you quiet, feeling the tenseness in the air, waiting for something to happen. Then about a week later, on a downtown street, Shand gets careless.
12: What do you want? Why are you following me?
9: Hmm? Well, now, look, lady. Don't try to
12: deny it. I saw you yesterday, too. And the day before that.
3: I don't know what you're talking about.
12: You're doing it for him, aren't you? My husband.
9: Listen, lady, you're talking crazy. Uh, Why would your husband have someone following you? There's a good reason. Like what?
12: Money makes people do things like this. Money? My money. If it was his, he...
10: If what?
12: If anything happened to me. Why didn't you do it now?
10: What are you waiting for?
3: Excuse me, lady. I'd better go see
9: a guy. Look, be reasonable Shane. Why didn't you level with me?
16: Where do you get off dragging me in on a dirty deal like this? But what's wrong? Everything, the whole setup. I
3: like money as much as the next guy. See and I need jobs. But I'm stepping out of this one, Mr. Right now.
16: I'm
9: getting out of here.
3: You don't even have to pay me.
9: Look,
16: I don't get you, Shan. What could... You heard me. I'm getting out.
9: It's almost out in the open now, isn't it, Vic? But not quite. Because you're not even sure what's happening. Not able to talk it all out with the one person you should go to with a problem. Because right now... She is that problem. And you're alone. That's what's so terrifying, isn't it, Vic? Your complete helplessness. And you have no way of knowing, of course, that now tonight, the band assembles on the platform as you check quickly through the evening's dance program, failures facing Jeannie Long in her dressing room
12: a very strange question, Thalia. Under the circumstances, I don't think it is. In any case, how I feel about Vic is my own business. You can't expect me to believe you've never been in love with him. That'd be pretty silly. Yes, I think so. I think you're still in love with him. Maybe. But why do this the hard way, Thalia? Why not ask Vic how he feels? I know how he feels. Well, you leave me speechless, darling. I'm not surprised, Jeannie, but Vic might be. I'm going to settle a few things for him tonight.
10: Vic,
11: could I talk to you a minute?
13: Uh, Not right now, Janie, please. Okay, boys, let's take it. One, two.
9: It's a struggle, isn't it, Vic, as the job begins? As you try to concentrate on the music and the piano in front of you, while your mind is on other things. The money,
8: the property, it's mine. I intend to leave it that way. Those
9: are the raw materials, aren't they, Vic? Something for a man's mind to work on. Particularly a mind like yours, with murder lying underneath everything else. Yes, you can close your eyes there at the piano and hear things like this.
17: <laughs> I love you. Don't be ridiculous, Vicky. Harlanoy. Oh, I wanted someone to do a job for me, and you came along, you, so. you let me go ahead of money, darling. The property in Cleveland. I want have got it. And I won't have to pay for it, will I, Vicky?
1: No! No, she won't get away with it.
9: You're trembling, aren't you, Vicky? sitting there terrified by your own thoughts, almost afraid to think of what you might have to do to escape.
15: Intermission, Vic.
9: What? Oh, oh, yeah,
13: yeah, sure, gee.
15: And now you're going to listen to me. It's Thalia. Thalia?
13: What about Thalia? Well,
15: she said the oddest thing, something about settling things for you tonight. I knew it. What?
13: That little... Vic, what is it? Settle things, huh? I'll see about that.
9: You know now you've got to kill her. And it has to happen fast. In the lobby outside the ballroom, you stop. Remember something that private detective said about suicide? You can make it look like suicide, Vic. Just by taking the time to set it up. Getting yourself a witness. Yes, the telephone girl will do. Ethel.
11: Oh, What is it, Vic?
9: My wife. Uh, is she in her room?
11: Well, I think she went up just a little while ago.
9: Oh, Ethel,
13: was she all right? Did she say anything about not disturbing her?
11: I don't know. Is there something wrong?
13: I don't know. I don't know. She's been very upset lately. I don't know what it is, but the way she's acting, I'm afraid she might do something to herself. I'd better get up there right away. Celia.
9: Celia. You step back, remembering somehow that you have your own key. Fumble nervously, opening the door. Celia. You cross swiftly to the bedroom, glance in, wonder where she could be. Thalia! Turning, you catch sight of the doors to the terrace. They're both standing open, a slight breeze rustling the draperies.
13: Thalia, I just want to talk. What's the matter, Thalia? What are you doing out there on the terrace? Don't,
12: don't you come near me. You can't do this. But I'm... we're going to talk, Thalia. Don't back please, away please from don't me. leave me, believe no. me. Longer. Thalia, look out! Please, Stop the radio, go over! <laughs>
9: It's all over, Vic. In one terrible moment, Asthalia falls back over the terrace rail and your mind whirls with a thought that here is the end product of your perfect murder. You don't know it, of course, but the human catalyst has done her work well. And all that's left as you draw back from the rail with a shudder is the realization that your own life is at stake if you don't get out of these rooms before anyone comes up. You're sure there's time, but you cross swiftly toward the door. Thankful that you left the idea of suicide with a switchboard girl. She's got to back you up, Vic. It's the only hope you have now.
0: Mr. Stanfield? Glad I ran into you. I'm Lieutenant Harrison, Miami Police. I don't understand. Afraid I don't either, Stanfield, your wife inside? I uh,
13: don't know. I just stepped in the door myself. Oh?
0: Well, have a look, will you? You see, she called us tonight. She she what? Called us. She was quite upset.
13: Oh. Oh, I, I, I know she's been acting strange lately, but I didn't What think she it... had
0: to say was quite strange, Stanfield, but uh, maybe i better step inside.
13: Yeah, sure, but I... Well, Lieutenant, what's this all about? I, I can't understand what you, you... Want me to
0: get in? Yeah, go ahead. Yes? What? Uh-huh. That must have just happened. No, it's all right. I'm with her husband now. Well, Stanfield, maybe you already know this, but just for the record, that call was to let us know that your wife's body is out on the pavement ten floors down. Oh, no. That's the terrace over there, huh? Pushed her right over the rail. No, no, please, it was an accident. I can prove it was an accident. Maybe you can, Stanfield. I don't know. You'll have your chance, of course. But when she called us just 20 minutes ago, she said she was certain you were going to kill her. (laughs)
10: Arlene, I can't get over it. What, Orville? The papers today about Vic Stanfield being convicted of murder. The Miami police and that private detective both telling the jury Mrs. Stanfield said she was afraid he was going to kill her.
8: Oh. oh,
10: yes. I wonder why he did such a thing, Orville. Well, I don't know. Only, oh gosh, the whole thing must have hit you pretty hard, Arlene. I mean, the way you felt about Stanfield.
11: Well, you know, Orville, it was terrible, but as far as anything personal between Vic and me, I i, I guess I was just silly. You see, Orville, there's something you should know.
10: You mean about uh, our going steady again?
11: No. Rodney Maynard and his men of music are coming here next week.
10: Yeah, I know that.
11: Yes, but well, Orville, there's something I've never told you about me and Rodney.
2: Featured in tonight's story were Betty Lou Gerson and Tony Barrett. The Whistler was produced by George W. Allen, with story by Joel Malone and Harold Swanton, and music by Wilbur Hatch, and was transmitted to our troops overseas by the Armed Forces Radio Service. Next Wednesday, for a full hour of mystery over most of these stations, tune in a half hour earlier. Enjoy The Saint as well as The Whistler. This is Marvin Miller speaking.
5: All right, that's The Whistler from March 17th, 1948, with A Human Catalyst starring Betty Lou Gerson that was sponsored by Signal Oil, as heard on CBS. Let's take a quick break, then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. Just a few moments ago, we had a Woodman's spot there, Woodman's Commercial, one of our sponsors here on the WGN Radio Theater. And don't forget, when you take... A picture of your Woodman's Receipt. So when you shop at Woodman's, get that receipt, take a picture of it with your smartphone, email it to us at woodmanswgn at gmail.com. And then within 36 hours, most of the time way sooner than that, you will get... 12 classic radio shows emailed to you via digital download. So shop at Woodman's, get some classic radio shows. Not bad, right, Lisa? Nothing to it. Plus, they have amazing stores, great uh, selection, and low prices in every aisle.
6: I would say, with or without the classic radio, it's a great place to shop, and we hope that you'll check it out. And you know what else they
5: have there at Woodman's? They have great green apples. Well, they do, but you know what's really important to me? Um, Gigantic carts. Oh, right. You like to be pushed around Huge in a cart. carts, Ashley. Ashley Byhon is producing our show we tonight, by to the way. We forgot say that. Yeah. I'm so
6: sorry, Ashley. That's all
5: your fault. I
6: don't know why Carl would gloss over that.
5: No. Ashley who's just an amazing producer. It's I want you to know that they have gigantic carts at Woodman's. You know Woodman's. why
6: that's important to him? Because that way when we go to Woodman's, he can get in the cart and I can push, push him around kind <isn't> of <laughs> like a child. Now that's shocking, isn't it? Like a child And I give him a lollipop while he sits You know so that you're not happy. supposed to put
5: children in those carts. That well, is bad you know bad bad. That might mothering. be but every bad mothering.
6: Let me tell you something mister. Every mother puts their child no, in a shopping cart and no, goes to no, the grocery no, store. No 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 no. That is true. It
5: says right in there no do not put children in the carts. It says that on every cart. Don't you know that? That's
6: just because you didn't take your children shopping, but I did, and I went in the carts, and (laughs) I I have four kids, kids kids and they all went to the cart, and everybody's good. So it's all good. I bet you did.
5: But nobody has bigger carts than Woodman's.
6: (laughs) Well, I'll get you a lollipop, and I'll push you down the row. I'll give you a great big push and see what happens. All right. Sounds
5: good. All right. You know what? In our next hour, Rocky Fortune, Frank Sinatra Stars uh, as amateur detective Rocky Fortunato in a good episode from 1954. Then after that, it's The Amazing Mr. Malone. Not a lot of episodes uh, exist from The Amazing Mr. Malone series, but we have one for you. Yeah, I don't think I've uh, ever heard out. that. Uh, we've never aired one. I'm excited. That's why. That's why. All right. Well, uh, that's what's coming your way. We'll be here till 2 o'clock in the morning. So stay with us. Right here on WGN, hear the sounds that matter, the top five at five from the RoCon show with Anna DeVlantes weekday afternoons on 720 WGN Chicago. Smart speaker users, just say play WGN Radio on TuneIn. It is time for news at midnight. Here's David Jennings. (laughs) May I have this dance, please? Um... No E.
6: I'll have to think about that one for a while. <laughs> Are you a good dancer, Carl? Nice
5: Let's take it nice and easy.
16: It's gonna be
6: Are you a good so dancer?
5: Easy. I stink at dancing. For
6: How'd I know that? This is Frank, right? Yeah.
5: And I'm yeah, sure. we have Frank uh, on this hour with uh, Rocky Fortune, too. He could sing that uh, chairman of the board, couldn't he? Ah, uh, Lisa, can you dance? Do you and Dan go out and dance and dance? Can you do like the where he twirls you and all that kind of I stuff? I can,
6: but we don't generally really? do that. On Saturday nights I'm generally here and Sunday nights I'm generally here and Friday but, nights. But I mean if I'm you generally... go to a
5: wedding, do you guys dance like that where he twirls you and yeah. dips you and all that? Yeah, I love that. Really?
6: That's fun.
5: Gosh. That's amazing. Yeah, I, I see
6: new things you learn can't every day. Do
5: that. I, I would step on.
6: I was just guessing that. That's why I asked my partner's
5: you. feet. I'm sure your
6: partner. Who's your partner?
5: <laughs> I would Yanni. I would step on her feet. I'm sure it would be bad for her
6: and for you. <laughs>
5: <laughs> her, her little feet. I would step on them. It would not be good.
6: Well, you could do something about that if it were take, important to you. I could
5: take. I could take uh, lessons. You could, yeah. You could
6: go to uh, Fred Astaire Dance Studio.
5: Yes, I could. Yep, but uh, I'm not going to though. Okay, anytime soon. It's
6: just not a priority at this. Unless time. I get
5: a call from Dancing with the Stars. Now, if they want to call me and have me be on that show,
6: I would be on that show. It would take a would few you? years to be up to snuff, but I think I could get there eventually. <laughs> I,
5: I would be the first person eliminated. Uh, you on and show. I both. I would be like, I'd be all excited. I'd go there, and then the very first round i'd be eliminated because i I wouldn't be able to you know i auditioned (laughs) once this is true as a kid you know when i was was a kid you do all kinds of different things you auditioned
6: for dancing with the stars no
5: i auditioned to be a dancer at great america let me tell you this story no (laughs) (laughs) there was a whole line of us it was me and vince lombardi and we went, he was like, hey, there's auditions. You know, we were looking for a summer gig, right? We were like 50. Well, we probably, we drove there, so we were probably like 17. Right. And we went to Great America, and they had auditions. Right. And we were, we actually were so bad. There was other People dancing that we made other people mess up.
6: I'm sure you did. That's how bad it was. So, did you get the part?
5: No. I didn't think so. They were like, you guys need to leave.
6: You know, I have a similar story. Just briefly, I I went and auditioned um, to be an opera singer. Remember that? When? When I was in an opera. Well, I do, I do not know how to sing opera at all. Oh, that's right. Know. I remember
5: you like, I went to the audition And I figured, you
6: know, I'm just going to go. I had a friend in it and he how said, did you, you should do? audition. And they said, can you sing one song in English and one in Italian? And I went, no, I, I cannot do Italian. I absolutely cannot. So I sang a song from uh, Wicked, clearly just a classic song. And, um, I, I did, I did get they a song. They hired you? They did for once, one show. And then when they took the show on the road. Well, that's a success. They didn't I ask mean, they, me to continue though. <laughs>
5: (laughs) (laughs) Why? But you got to be in the one in Chicago.
6: I did. I didn't
5: get to dance at Great America. Yeah, it wasn't a
6: great fit for me though.
5: (laughs) We were so we were literally making other people. It was like, um, you know, it was choreographed. So we were supposed to do, you know, the kick at the right time and this and that. We were completely off. And people, well,
6: you know, good for you for giving it your best shot. You know,
5: listen, I'll. it was a paying gig. I wanted. I was looking for money. I was seventeen right. years old.
6: I'm sure they paid a ton at Great America.
5: <laughs> <laughs> they they didn't even offer it's me a job to job. wear like a, a Looney Tunes head. Maybe and walk you could around just hand
6: out. You know, like you could take tickets, kind of rip the tickets as you go in. Yeah, or something that takes like coordination,
5: that. though. I don't I think I could do that. You could that. probably learn. I could not chew gum and rip, and rip the tickets. <laughs> in this hour, Frank Sinatra stars. In uh, Rocky Fortune. Fortune. Fortune, good show from 1954 that's coming your way. Just a moment, but first we're going to play our game. Is it real or is it ridiculous? Sponsored by Cat's Pride. Yes,
6: the celebrity is Robert De Niro. And we are going to give away a special prize. It is two lawn tickets to Ravinia in Highland Park on July 12th to see the Oscar-winning film West Side Story with the score performed live by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra. Great night at Ravinia Festival.
5: And uh, what number would you like? We're going to look
6: for caller number five. So call right now, 312 981 two hundred, caller number five and we will be right back. Hey Kevin, how are you? All right, how,
8: are you? how are you doing? Good,
6: so glad you're with us. you want hey, to say Kevin. hi Carl?
8: <laughs> you wanna
6: play a little real ridiculous? Sure All right terrific Number one This is Robert De Niro Okay Yeah All right Carl- I know a
5: lot about Robert De Niro So I'd be a, a good lifeline For Kevin oh. here <laughs> Okay <laughs> <laughs> I gotten like 20 in a row wrong But
6: Right And he's holding his sound effects That I bought him from Walgreens So we're in good shape Yeah Okay number one He was accused of being involved In a prostitution ring in Asia And vowed never to return oh, Real or ridiculous Really Well I don't know Really
5: I don't know what do you ridiculous. Think? I'm going to agree with Kevin. Ridiculous.
6: It is ridiculous. Yeah. That's w- right. You are both right. But I will tell you that that actually happened in France. That is true for France. But you are both correct in your answer. So
5: he won't go back to France? <laughs> that is correct. Okay.
6: Now you know. Number two, he has gone on record as having publicly stated that his favorite actress to work with is Meryl Streep. Real or ridiculous?
2: Hmm i to if trying to think, he's, trying to think of movies he's been in with Meryl Streep. Um,
5: I don't know if he's ever been in I'm a movie gonna, with Meryl I'm,
0: Streep. I would say ridiculous.
5: <sighs> I don't. I can I can't think of a movie he's ever in with Meryl Streep. So I'm going to agree with Kevin and say ridiculous. I think you're trying to fool us.
6: It's real. What? That is what he said. Really? Yeah, I do think that they were in a movie together, but I can't tell I you can't what it's think called. Of one. I'm going to look it up during the break, and I'll right. let you know when we come back.
8: All right, all right, we're one for five hundred. Here, here yeah. we go. Number three.
6: In 1989, he formed he formed his own production company called Tribeca Productions. Real or ridiculous? Yeah, okay, I don't know what you think. Tribeca oh. is that real or
9: no? It is. It's real. I'm gonna go
6: real. It's real. It's real. It's real. It it's is real. real. All right. All right. So you did two out of three. But All right. You did. Three.
5: Back on a winning streak, well, Carl. Here, thanks that to is Kevin.
6: fantastic, Kevin. You're a good, you're Carl's lucky charm here. Um, the, you are the big winner. Always Kevin. after me, lucky
5: charms.
10: <laughs>
6: and you've won a pair of tickets to Ravinia in Highland Park on July 12th. See the Oscar-winning film West Side Story with the score performed live by the Chicago Symphony Orchestra and join our very own Dean Richards. Before the film, for a pre-concert discussion, get your tickets at Ravinia.org. So this is for July 12th performance. I love Ravinia. I'll be there uh, soon for Tony Bennett. And I go to Ravinia all the time. I hope you enjoy a little uh, time under the stars there.
14: Cool.
6: Terrific. Thank you Thank for you calling much. in. Thanks, I hope Kevin. You have a great uh, evening at Ravinia. Oh, way
5: to go, buddy. All right. It's a big uh, winner. Thanks. Kevin's a big winner. He's going to Ravinia. Uh, Ravinia. Oh, Ravinia. Yeah, Ravinia.
6: Um, so, Ravinia.
5: <laughs> Ravinia.
6: Ravinia. 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 Um, somebody texted in Deer Hunter. That's They're probably
5: oh, right. Oh, yeah. Yep. Deer Hunter. Yep. Gosh. That was a long time ago. That's yep. why I forgot about that That movie. must
6: be why, yeah. I was
5: like way... I <laughs> way mean, before your time. Probably like... 70s? Yeah,
6: probably. Maybe. You didn't see movies back then? Yeah, I did. Okay.
5: <laughs> Just All right. I was, I'm gonna, I'm uh, listen, check- I spent a lot of time in my basement... Collecting, Deer cataloging hun- classic radio shows. While well, you had a that. life,
6: dear I didn't ni- have a life. Nineteen seventy-eight. Yeah, I were nice. wondering. Yeah,
5: late seventies. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a life. I was collecting classic. Ra- now, How do you know now we're had here a life. on the radio because I gave up my early childhood. You didn't collect, have
6: any any other.
5: Collect these classic going radio on. shows. That was, that's all you did. The whole basement was like, a, um, it was a it was an homage to classic radio. I had posters up all over. I was a young kid, and I had all these. Real to real tapes, and I was a total nerd.
6: I'm not shy in but okay. there, but
5: but you know what? Now we get to play these
6: we shows do. You
5: on did, the you radio. Did the great thing.
6: I'm glad I met you. and yeah. I met you. Gave up
5: my whole childhood for. Well, thank you, for Carl. It, look what you
6: did for me, and you didn't even so know you were nicer doing it for to me. me. You know, I've been telling you all night that you've been not so nice
5: tonight. (laughs) What? I'm nice. Usually not tonight so much. Not tonight. Yeah. And you know what? No. If Frank Sinatra was here, I'd be very nice to him. I bet you wouldn't want to mess with Frank Sinatra. I
6: wouldn't either. He was the
5: chairman of the board.
6: All right. Always be nice. Old blue eyes. You
5: never know. Old blue eyes. Uh, He starred in his own. Kind of a drama series. It was, it had a little slight humor to it too. You know, his personality was definitely part of the whole. I'm sure he took the scripts and probably tweaked them a little bit to match his, his uh, personality. And he played Rocky Fortunato. He was a guy out of work. Sort of how I was when I was looking for my j- job at uh, Great Americas as, as right. a dancer,
6: as a dancer, <laughs> and
5: um, and so he uh, he was being sent all over the place by an employment agency, Gridley's employment agency, and everywhere he went to work, there was a murder or some kind of crime, and of course he had to solve it. Right Lisa. So this was a kind of an interesting series. Now, it lasted only one season because he won the best supporting Oscar for for here to eternity. Um, and that just his career took off and he was like, okay, I don't need to do this uh, gig anymore. I'm, I'm in the movies now, right? So that's what happened. I So get if that. you get an Academy Award I'm here. in a movie, right? so let's hope um, that doesn't happen. And just happen. so you know,
6: uh, we had somebody text it in. So Robert De Niro and Meryl Streep were in The Deer Hunter together and a movie called Falling in Love,
5: 1984. Yeah, I didn't see that one. I didn't either. Are, that
6: didn't sound like a Carl movie. <laughs> Falling in Love.
5: <laughs> <laughs> <No>. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's tune this in. It's called One Husband Too Many. And it's from February 16, 1954. Here's Frank Sinatra on Rocky Fortune. Frank Sinatra,
1: transcribed as Rocky Fortune. <laughs> NBC presents Frank Sinatra, starring as that footloose and fancy-free young gentleman, Rocky Fortune.
14: You know, there's an old saying, never look a gift horse in the mouth. With pen and cheek, I now write me a new saying. Never look a gift blonde in the eyes. She was blonde because her hair told me so. That was the only proof I had. She didn't walk, she insinuated. She was from New Orleans and her name was Lou. And believe me, brother, Lou was no lady. When I saw, I said to myself, I'd dig this babe. She almost dug me, too. Right into her grave.
17: tell me an interesting-looking man like you spends much time in an unemployment compensation line. So
14: I won't tell you. You call the shots, baby. I'm awful easy to get along with.
17: Yeah, I really believe that. I hate to see a capable-looking man like you standing in a place like this.
14: I know what you mean, honey. The name's Rocky Fortune. This is not only a name, it's also a description. As fortunes go, I got the rockiest. Last week was pretty bad in the money book, so this week finds me in line.
17: (laughs) I bet you're not
14: too easy to keep in line. Hmm... You keep over that southern syrup, and I'm liable to wind up making like a pancake.
17: Buy you a cup of
14: coffee. Make mine straight. You got all the sugar I need. Warm by the steaming brew and blonde, I thought I'd better start moving in some direction, so I took the direct route. You must have something else on your mind besides what I hope, Why don't you spill, honey?
17: I love a direct man. Why don't you tell me something about
14: yourself? Well, I'm not exactly ready to publish a story in my life, not until I know what rights I can hang on to. Tell my fortune first.
17: Nice though. I think you're about to come into some real money.
14: I like you, Gypsy. Keep reading the coffee grounds.
17: I notice you never mind sticking out your neck just a little bit if there's money involved.
14: That could be the story of my life. Yes.
17: You also have an unfortunate habit of getting yourself involved, and sometimes you get hurt.
8: Keep reading me.
17: Well, um, I got me a little plan where you get just a little bit involved, where you can't possibly get hurt, and the way you can make yourself some
14: $5,000. Honey, my ears ain't wagging because of the money. I'm just fanning my face to keep a cool expression. Give.
17: All you have to do is one teeny-weeny little thing for little me.
14: I'll make book. I won't like it, but tell me anyway.
17: Well, honey, you will like the 5000 It's such nice money.
14: And just what does little old me have to do for little old you to make that little old five grand?
17: Kill my little old husband.
14: She poured on her message of murder.
17: So you see, honey lamb, it, it really is most embarrassing for me to be in this predicament. But there's one thing I got too much of.
14: Yeah, it's tough to believe. From where I sit, the distribution is great. <laughs>
17: Uh, I just love to hear you say things like that. I just love it.
14: <laughs> uh, let's get back to the excess. You said you had too much of something.
17: Oh. Oh, yeah. It's just too bad, but it can't be helped. I just have too many husbands.
14: Too many what? Isn't it silly? Well, that's perfectly ridiculous. I thought I just heard you say you got too many husbands. Must have misread my ears. No,
17: you heard me right, honey.
14: But that's illegal.
17: Yeah, I know. That's what's so silly. It's all the laws, folks. Hmm,
14: I'll make book on it. What's the story?
17: Well, they weren't ever supposed to let Marvin out of prison and now that the hell have... Oh,
14: so it's the next con you want me to bump.
17: Oh no, no. Marvin hadn't any dirty old money. It's Perry I gotta get rid of.
14: Who is Perry?
17: My husband.
14: Who is Marvin? My, My husband. husband. You lost me someplace, honey. Let me tell this to myself as I now understand you, which I probably don't. You have two husbands, Marvin and Perry, both alive and both kicking.
17: Well, Marvin's kicking because of Perry. But Perry isn't kicking because he doesn't know about Marvin.
14: Lady, right now, I don't know about you. You just don't seem right to me. You just don't seem right. getting on toward evening when I made like a Holman pigeon. The wheels in the head were whirling. The first thought was to invest in a call to Gestapo headquarters to ask my pal Sergeant Finger to run a make on the blonde. I tossed out that bright idea. If this dizzy dame was pulling my socks, Finger would never get off my back about it. I had a short session with the idea of going to the husband and informing him of the facts of life. Southern Friday gave me a real fancy engraved card with the address so I knew where to find him. But that notion hit the trash, too. If she is kidding, I'm a real patsy. By the time I'd reached my pad and opened the door, I decided to forget my dizzy blonde dreamboat and find myself another playmate for the evening. I reached for the light switch when something hit me. Oh! Something that hit me was more than an idea. It was more blackjack style. Before I knew what had happened, I was sailing away to Dreamboat Bay, happy with my life as an ice cream soda. The awakening came like a whoosh of cold water in the puss, which it was... Somebody tossed me a lifesaver. I'm drowning. I'm awful sorry to have to do this to you, Mr. Fortune, but it really was necessary. Oh, stop bleeding about it. I might get upset. Who are you? I'll tell you who I am after I tell you how important it is that you stay away from my honey pair. You what? My honey pear? You shouldn't ought to be messing around with Lulu Ann. Lulu Ann? Oh. The lights are on. I'm seeing. Could you be Marvin? I sure am, Mr. Fortune. What's the story? Who belted me on the head? I did, but I'm awful sorry. Don't oh, drown in your tears. Now, look, if you want to wrestle, Buster, just give me a chance to move in. Ah, uh, careful now, nah, Mr. Fortune. This your gun is sure loaded with real bullets. It would hurt me to have to kill you. Yeah, I get the message. I wouldn't feel so good about that myself. So let's talk. Why massage my skull with a loaded leather? I just had to convince you that you should stay away from my honey pair. I just know she's real gone for you. Get ready to receive news, Buster, because I'm sending right now. I ain't interested in your honey, Pear. I think she's got a screw loose. Well, that don't make no difference. She's interested in you. Sure she's interested in me. She wants me to do a job for her. What kind of job? She wants me to bump husband number two. He's offered me five grand to bump Perry. Five grand to bump Perry? I'll see it all now. Huh? Isn't that downright sweet of her? If you see anything, turn on some lights for me. It's awful dark where I'm but sitting. don't you see... She knows I'd be perfectly willing to bump her if she asked me to. She just don't want me to get into trouble. You know, that really touches me. In the head, pal. I think you're both touched. Now, listen close to some words I'm going to read. I want no part of your honey, pear or a five grand. I want no part of you. And if I ever catch you without a loaded heater in your mitts, I'm going to play Scrabble with your head. Now, scram. Now, it hurts me to have to be unfriendly. It hurts me real bad, but I still got something to say to you, Mr. Fortune. Stay away from my honey bear, no matter how close she wants to get. And don't you worry about taking care of Mr. Perry. I'll see he gets taken care of nice and proper right now.
5: That's the first portion of Rocky Fortune. And uh, we'll have more in a few minutes, but it's time for news here at 1231. Here's Roger Baddish.
4: Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolf.
5: Don't forget, join the Classic Radio Club. We want you to join. We created the Classic Radio Club for our listeners. When you join, you get 10 of the greatest classic radio shows sent to you via digital download each and every month. Or you can get them on CDs, five CDs in a collector case and all kinds of liner notes. It's a lot of fun. Join the club. We have hundreds and hundreds of members. And for the first month, you can join for only a dollar. You can check it all out, learn all about it, cancel at any time. If you're not happy, it's all at ClassicRadioClub.com. Go to the website, check it out, read all about it. Hey, read all about it. I was just going
6: to say that. Newsies, yep.
5: Like the news kids. You know, they're like, yeah, that's the part I want to play on one of these classic radio show reenactments. A paper boy? Yeah, I'd be like, get your extra, extra, read all about it. You know, right? Yeah. That's pretty good, right?
6: Yeah, uh, I give it a seven. What do you think, Curtis? um, (laughs) Try it again. Why did you raise your voice so high? Because you're trying to be younger?
5: Yeah, I did it. Yeah, they were young. The newsboys were always like, all right, should I do it? For let's again? let's do it okay, one more time. Hang on a second. Okay, now. here we go. Oh, that's Wait, a lot. prepare. It's a lot of pressure. Now. Take a breath. They used to say extra. <laughs> they never said extra. Well, they used you to say, say extra? Extry. But you say no. Extra. I'll say extra because they used to say extra. Okay. Are you ready? Extra, extra. Read all about it. What do you think? That was better. Better. So it sounded Ashley, a little forced. what do you think? A little forced. Mm, she's not impressed. Notice he's not asking me. Yeah, Roger. Well, that's come on, Roger. Good. I didn't have a childhood. <laughs> And it shows so I think you deeply. still
6: have a childhood. You haven't it grown shows. out of it yet.
5: That's <laughs> why
14: I do this because I have a childhood. All
5: right, Roger. Here we go. Extra, extra. Read all about it. What do you
14: think? You Need just a tad of an accent
5: on there, uh, like a like a Brooklyn accent. Yeah, a little bit. Extra, extra. Read all about it. You just gained about Man, I don't 30 years. That, like, <laughs> that was like Boston. I did, he wore himself really...
14: out already. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Gotta take a oh nap now, gosh. Carl. Take a little rest. Yeah,
14: really. <laughs> Man. <laughs> Let's hear the action of Frank's Nah, name. Yeah, Frank yeah, will be a lot Frank's better Frank's got the action. This is a
5: good show. It's it called is. One Husband, Too Many from February 16, 1954. The conclusion to Rocky Fortune.
14: First <laughs> up tip Sarge's finger and given the rundown on the screw loose con and the too much married blonde. Second thought was that by the time I convinced them this comedy of murder is for real, little old Marvin would have drilled a little old hole right through little old Perry's head. Thinking back on the running order, the only thing that convinced me the whole bit was for real was the lump in my skull. Everything else could have been a gag, but this wasn't. Next item should be to make a fast trip to the apartment of Mr. and Mrs. Perry Shane. I made the item. Even the buzzer I push in the swank layout looks solid gold. Yes? Mr. Perry Shane? That's right. I got to talk to you, Mr. Shane, and we better talk fast. I don't understand. You will. Just get in out of the doorway and close the door. Now, now, wait a minute. I don't like being pushed around in my own home. Who are you? Rocky Fortune's the name. Sorry for the shove, but it had to be. Now, look, I'll give it to you straight. Somebody's looking to kill you. Somebody wants to kill me? That's right. An ex-con by the name of Marvin is looking for you right now. Why does he want to kill me? Did I ever send him up? That I don't know. I didn't even know you were a mouthpiece. Incidentally, is your wife home? No, she hasn't been home all day.
18: Do you know my wife?
14: If that's her picture sitting on a mantle, I know your wife. Your wife, incidentally, is the reason Marvin wants to kill you. Now before I ask you to leave, would you mind elaborating on this fantastic story of yours? Well, I guess I'm giving it to you pretty fast at that. The picture ain't very pretty, though, so I don't feel bad. Believe me, mister, your southern bell is ringing out nothing but bad news for you. She wants you dead. I don't know what this is all about, but right now I'm not interested. I don't know who you are or what your plan is, but will you please leave before I call the police? Look, mister, believe me, I know she wants you dead because she offered me 5,000 to kill you. Get out. Get out now. I'd hate to have to belt you, so if I do, it's for your own protection. you better keep your hands down, Mr. Shane.
1: No one makes accusations like that against my
14: wife. Take it easy, Mr. Shane. Real easy now. Oh, you're going to push me too far. Get out of my house. Now sit down in that chair and behave yourself. I'm getting a little tired being shoved around. I'm the patsy in the deal and I asked for nothing. Now listen to what I have to say. First of all, how long have you been married? That's none of your business. So it's none of my business. This bump in my noggin was none of my business either before I got it. Your wife's husband is the character who gave it to me. My wife's husband? Are you insane? I don't blame you for asking, pal. I doubted myself for a couple of minutes. Whether you believe it or not, your wife has another husband. An ex-con by the name of Marvin. You mean her ex-husband. I know she's been married before. I mean her present husband. He was supposed to be a lifer, so she never bothered to get a divorce. But the law crossed her by letting him out. Now, wait a minute. If all this is true, and frankly, I believe none of it, just what is your interest? (sighs) Your wife put the make on me for a couple of weeks. She decided I was the kind of guy she wanted for a particular job. She offered me five grand to knock you over. Hmm. Sounds like a handsome offer. What's stopping you? A couple of things. First, the law. It's real illegal, you know. Second, you'd be real dead if I did. Those two items are stopping you from earning a $5,000 fee? What do you think? You seem like a particularly bright but rough young man. If you're passing up that offer... It's only because you want more from me. That flatters me not, pal, but we'll overlook it. At least it shows you're thinking maybe Dreamboat did make the offer. I see. Uh, would you suggest I call the police and tell them a complete stranger has informed me I'm about to be killed and please send me a police escort? I'm giving you credit, so please extend the same in my direction. Well, what would you suggest? I'll make one call to the Irish clubhouse. To the what? Sorry, pal, lost my head. Irish Clubhouse happens to be local police headquarters. Sergeant Hamilton J. Finger's my boy there. I'll call him, get him to give you a rundown on me, and then we'll both go over to headquarters. Well, there's the phone. <laughs> Let's hope for your sake that Finger is at hand.
0: 25th precinct.
14: Sergeant Finger. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm here to eternity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Don't tell me me guess. Frank Sinatra? Oh, you are a funny man. Finger, I'm going to put an attorney on by the name of Mr. Shane. I happen to know he's got an ex-con gunning for him. Will you tell him that I don't make jokes about things like this?
8: Now, wait a minute. Don't put anybody
14: else on. Who's gunning for who? Sorry, pal, but I got a deadline. I got to get this guy over to the protection of your schlack house before his own line goes dead from a bullet. So talk to the man. This is Perry Shane speaking.
0: I don't know what this is all about yet, Mr.
2: Shane, but if Rocky says your life is in danger, we better come
14: over right away. Uh, just a minute, Sergeant. Since I actually don't know this man, and I don't know you, perhaps we'd both better come right over to the precinct.
8: It's your life, Mr.
14: Shane. We'll be right over. <laughs> door, the plush pad, down the gilded shaft for lifting, and out under the tilted nose of a snooty doorman. Lawyer Shane's car was parked in front of the apartment. It was long, black, and shiny. Could easily be a convertible. (laughs) Convertible into a hearse. We made toward the car. Shane opened the door and started to get in. He moved toward the driver's seat, but I saw it coming up and shoved him toward the ground.
8: Hit the
14: ground! What happened? Take a peek at that neat hole through your windshield and you won't need any other diagram. Now get behind that wheel fast and let's get out of here. Is it, is it safe? Yeah, he's real gone by now. Did you see who it was? Yeah, but just pull over here right at this curb. Pull up right here somewhere. It was little old Lou's little old husband. That was Marvin. Who else would be jerky enough to try a shot like that? The hole, the hole in the windshield. It's right where I would have been sitting if you hadn't pulled me down. Save the job until we have time for it. We got things to do. But aren't we going right over to the police headquarters? You're going right over to Sergeant Finger, 25th Precinct. Now, give me your apartment keys. I'm going to move fast. Now, I'm going right back to your apartment. You go over to the precinct and bring Finger back. On the double. Well, what are you going to... Why are the $64 questions come later. Move, quick. Rube Goldberg stuck a bulb over my head and an idea lit up. The next move could be back to the plush pad, and I want to be there to see it. I no sooner got the door open when magnolia blossoms hit my eardrums.
17: Rocky, I'm so happy as little old you.
14: I'll just bet you're no end please.
17: I saw the whole thing right out this window. I was horrified.
14: Why? Why? I thought you wanted him bumped.
17: Well, I do, but I didn't want you bumped. Oh, I couldn't stand it if anything happened to you.
14: Lady, you killed me. Oh, now, Rocky, you could waste that much time. Let's write some story now, Lady Lou. Were you camping out in the other room while I was talking to Perry?
17: No, of course not. I was just completing my little plan with Marvin. You see, I'm, I'm afraid I had to change of heart, Rocky. I I realized I'd still have Marvin as a husband, even with Perry out of the way, and that wouldn't do at all.
14: Why not? Marvin was the banana you picked in the first place.
17: Oh, but I got different ideas now. I want me another husband. I got him all picked
14: out. Say, you are the one. Mm. Your little plan was just screwball enough to work, too. You know, this crazy Marvin's gone enough on you to do anything you want. He kills Perry for you. You, the about to become black satin widow testify you saw Marvin kill Perry?
17: And the law kills Marvin because he was wicked and murdered Perry. And that leaves me minus two husbands.
14: And plus Perry's loot.
17: Also plus one husband, number three.
14: And him you already picked out.
17: Not him, Rocky. You.
14: Me? <laughs> I'm too young to die.
17: Oh, you're not going to die, Rocky.
14: Together, we're going to live. I'm so sorry for you, Mr. Fortune, that little lamb picked you are. You know, I'm just downright sorry. I'll buy that. You're the sorriest sight I ever saw. I hope you got my last message. You mean about being too young to die? I received the message, but I'm afraid I got to disagree. Figures. The 38 you you're packing looks mighty disagreeable. Where from in the woodwork were you hiding? I just don't understand your Yankee talk. If you mean, how come I come back here after shooting that and missing Mr. Perry? Why, well, I just had to come back to find out what Lula Ann wanted me to do next. Oh,
17: Marvin, honey, that's real thoughtful of you. I'm just going to give you a nice big kiss
8: I
14: right? hate not being a gentleman, Lula Ann, but I think maybe you better stay over there with Rocky.
8: Why, Marvin! I'm hurt,
14: Lula Ann. I'm real hurt. If I hadn't heard it from your own sweet lips, I'd never believe it. I heard the whole plan you told Rocky. You wanted me dead. And that goes against my grain.
17: Oh, but Marvin Baby, I was only telling Rocky that so I could stall him and keep him from calling the police. Now you just go right ahead and shoot Rocky while I throw a few things in a bag.
14: Come, Marvin, you're not gonna let slick chick pull the black satin over your eyes like that. Get with it, man, get with it.
17: Now don't you go putting any of your Yankee ideas into Marvin's crowded little head. You go right ahead and shoot him, Marvin.
14: Sure, go right ahead and shoot me, Marvin. The cops will be here in a minute. You'll burn for killing me, and little old Lulu Ann will be left with her little old money bags, Perry.
17: Don't you be telling him things like that. Now, I'll just turn on the radio nice and loud so the shooting won't disturb the neighbors. Don't you
14: see, Marvin? She's got to get rid of you so that she can be legally married to Perry.
17: Don't you believe a word he says? You go on and shoot
14: him while the music is loud. Turn off the radio and listen to me.
8: You make it loud or shoot him. you got to be
14: dead or she's not legally married to Perry. She can't get his money while you're still alive.
8: We'll find a way to give his
14: money, my and we'll do it together. Now, wait a minute. My nerves just won't stand all this shouting and loud music. I think you're trying to confuse me, Mr. Fortune. Get ready to leave, Lulan. I'm going to shoot him. <laughs> Just so surprised. Ha, he was surprised. Think how I felt. Here I am staring at a thirty-eight caliber lead purveyor, and I hear the hammer click, the gunshot. I wait for the hot lead, and instead of a rainbow explosion in the puss, I see the guy and the gun fall. The explanation came from a welcome sauce. My pal, Sergeant Finger.
4: Someday, Rocky, that lucky yours is going to run out. Why didn't you come down the precinct
14: with Mr. Sheen? For the reasons which I hope you heard. Namely, the story is told by Honey, Pear, and Marvin. Did you get it all?
4: Did we get it all? The way you were all yelling, we could have taken that story down at the precinct. Come on, Honey, Pear. We're going downtown.
17: I refuse to move. You just have to talk to my husband. He's my lawyer.
14: Your ex-lawyer, Lulu Ann, and your soon-to-be ex-husband. I'll start a annulment proceedings tomorrow.
17: Well, you can't annul me. Marvin's dead, and he's the only other husband I ever had.
14: Correction, sweet dreams. Marvin got his hand blasted, not his head. He'll be okay in a week. <laughs> I can see you both now walking arm and arm in your little old steel cottage, overlooking the Hudson River. In fact, if you're real sweet, I'll talk to size the finger by getting your room with a southern exposure. That's so you'll all feel at home. Ah, oh, it's a nice feeling, Mr. Shane, having a lively, expensive dinner after looking at some deadly lead. Well, we both have much to be thankful for, Rocky. You keep looking at me as though you want to ask me something. You hit the nail right on my head, Mr. Shane. My nose is where I don't belong again. I mean, Honey Pear wasn't a smart chick. She was wild and screwy and about as subtle as Sophie Tucker. How come she got hooked with a smart guy like you? Oh, I was lonely, and she was pretty. She was amusing. I happened to be a man. Need I say more? If you do, you'll be talking too much. You look like you got something on your mind, too, Mr. Shane. (laughs) You hit the nail right on my head, too, Rocky. I was sort of thinking about you. Well, you'll have to spill without any payment for your thoughts, Mr. Shane. I'm a little low on the loot department. That's what I was thinking about. You see, I'm a very successful attorney... Frankly, I'm quite a wealthy man, and I can afford to have whomever I want around my office. I know your source of income is, uh, rather unstable. How about a job? Me? In a mouthpiece office, wearing a white collar? (laughs) No thanks, not for this moose. Mm, Process servers have no use for white collars, and they lead a pretty eventful life. Process server? Yeah, I didn't think of that. An outside-type profession that could be interesting and lucrative. I'll have to kick that around between the ears a bit. Well, while you're kicking it around, I'd like to make out a check for you for a nice, sizable uh, advance. Hmm. I'll tell you what, Mr. Shane. Me, I'm a realistic type. Make it out of my favorite charity. Which is? Cash, Mr. Shane. cash. Cash. <laughs>
1: NBC has presented Frank Sinatra as that footloose and fancy-free young gentleman, Rocky Fortune. Others in tonight's cast included Betty Lou Gerson, John Stevenson, Maurice Hart, and Barney Phillips. Tonight's script was written by Norm Sickle. Andrew C. Love, director. (laughs) Now, to tell you about next week's adventure, here's Frank Sinatra as Rocky Fortune. Hey, man.
14: You ever been tiger hunting in Nepal? Well, I haven't either, but they tell me they tie a goat to a stake and they wait for the tiger to show up. Next week, I'll tell you about the time a guy I know went tiger hunting. Only the tiger was human, and the goat, that was me. See you around. <laughs>
1: Visit with Pippa, McGee, and Molly tonight on the NBC Radio Network.
5: That's some groovy music, man. I think that was a trombone. I'm pretty sure it was a trombone there on Frank Sinatra's series, Rocky Fortune. February sixteenth, 1954, One Husband Too Many. And this had um, Betty Lou Gearson in the cast, too. And she was in the prior show, The Whistler. So she gets around that gal. She's in a lot of these radio programs. Hope you enjoyed that. Let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. That Frank Sinatra show was cool, right, Lisa? Yeah, it sure was. Somebody Frank.
6: mentioned on uh, on our text in line that you sound just like Frank Sinatra. <laughs> I like <laughs> so that we'll person. So we'll go with that. <laughs> Who
5: is that? It's my new favorite person, yes, whoever that is. definitely
6: wasn't me. <laughs>
5: <laughs> um, I sing like him, too. You right? do? Mm-hmm.
6: You're an excellent singer. Yes, And I dancer. Know.
5: Yeah, not such a good dancer, <laughs> but singer, yeah. I mean, you kind of you a should, crooner? I'm amazing in the shower.
6: Oh I Great bet I in the wouldn't shower. want to know though.
5: The acoustics are so perfect in the shower for singing.
6: Again, too much
5: information. I mean, right? Have you ever sang in the shower? Did you ever do of, that?
6: Everybody does that.
5: Yeah. I mean it just sounds so Don't much it just better. Does it sound
6: like you actually so, can do it? Like I
5: feel like I could be on American Idol when I'm in the shower singing, but what, then what
6: what song do you like to sing in the shower, sing, for
5: example? Um, um
6: Nothing um, comes to mind. Yeah.
8: <laughs> oh, you uh, know that song.
5: Oh God, what's you can't that? think of anything. I'm trying to think of the song that I always <laughs> sing when I do karaoke.
8: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, it's raining, it's pouring. No, uh, the old man is snoring. I can't <laughs> think of it. I'll think of it and then I'll London think, Bridge, something a like that. Brain freeze Raina, right Randa now. Rosie, no. It's um,
6: is it from uh, a musical? No, it's a song. <laughs> is it? How a, about John is it Travolta? Is a, <laughs> a song
5: really made up? No, it's a. It's like a nineteen. 50s song um i sing it every time for karaoke because it's all one monotone note note, and so i I I can one
14: note samba no it's
5: um i can't think of it. it is so impressive he 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 is so successful i'll figure it out and we'll we'll have ashley load it and we'll play a few minutes of it because it's a great song and, um, you know, maybe I'll sing a bar or two. Maybe
6: you'll think of it. Because I'm
5: in the shower, so I'll have a bar of Oops. soap with me oh, to sing. And I don't have my, I was not able to set like up my. You don't like the liquid soap? Curtis didn't know how to set up my, um, my uh, what do you call don't it? do
6: you have a lot for it? words I'm tonight? Having, yeah. You need a little I uh, provision? I slept It's past his
5: bedtime. Let me ask my you something. My rim shot. Curtis couldn't set up my rim shot oh. earlier. So
6: do you prefer a bar of soap or a liquid soap or a foam? Liquid
5: soap, and I have a, like a scrungy thing. Scrungy? scrunchy, It's scrungie? not a scrungie, but it looks like a Like scrungie. a loofah? It's like a loofah. That's, uh, I, I wish I was a loofah. It's got plastic on one side. <laughs> do you know what that's from, Roger? It's got plastic no. on one side, and then it has like the sponge part of it on the other side. Mm. Do you know what
6: that f- line is from, I wish I was a loofah?
5: No, it's from, no. probably it's from, from a movie. show. from a
6: it's from a movie.
5: It's Pour a classic movie. Think about it. Soap on there and
6: Pour the liquid soap on there. Pour the liquid soap on the loofah.
5: Probably one I haven't seen. <laughs> probably one I do I remember the line. Scrubbing bubbles. And I like baths, little too. Bath. I like baths, too. Baths are good. I take a bath once a week, whether I need to or not.
6: You know, I think it's unusual. Most, I don't. Um, how do I phrase this? I think more women than... I'm trying to be careful. Yeah, men don't I like think more women than men appreciate baths. I
3: think well, you so. know why he likes to take a bath? I'm That's afraid to ask.
14: No, it's how he practices his swimming. Yeah.
5: <laughs>
6: well, let's just bathtub. leave it like that.
5: Right. <laughs> 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 oh, it's a, a chance to have my rubber ducky in there. Swimming around. Ooh. Is it motorized? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. In the next hour, the amazing Mr. Malone. You've never heard one of these, Lisa. No, I have not. I'll bet you a lot of our listeners have never heard one of it's these. A so rare we gem. have a rare radio program for you coming up. It's from nineteen fifty one. That's in our next hour. But right now, it's time for news. The Steve Cochran show celebrates the most valuable person on the planet. Weekday mornings at seven twenty on seven twenty WGN Chicago smart speaker users. Just say, play WGN Radio on TuneIn. It's 102 in the morning. Time for news. Here is Shawberg Zone. Roger Badish.
19: I took my
5: Here's the song, Lisa, you know that, that I karaoke. You well, let's
6: hear you sing along. Come on. Just pretend you're in the shower. 34th
5: and 5. See love, love. Love potion number 9. Do you
6: only know the chorus? Or do well, you know it's the... all
5: one tone, so I can kind of... All right, let's hear With chicks, I've been this way since 1956. And she made a magic sign. She said, "What I need is love potion number nine That's good. Okay, so it's like one tone. Right. This is what I. This is my go-to song at karaoke on the ship. Love potion number nine. Any bar?
6: Is there any significance of that choice of song?
5: Yeah, it's like the only song that I can. I took a drink. I mean, I is there any
6: significance of the lyrics or the message night. of the song? No.
5: Okay. I did sweet thing in sight, and when I kissed a cop down on 34th and Vine, I broke my little bottle of <laughs> love potion You gotta understand, nine. You he has you know, the words the when wo- he does. Yeah, I don't help. have the words right now. Yeah. Right.
6: Well, you're not in the shower. If you were in the shower, you oh, would if remember if I was in the, the, the shower, this would
5: be like voice worthy. You right. know, it would be American Idol worthy.
6: The problem here is I'm having a bad visual right now because I really <laughs> don't want to go there. So I think we're going to leave it alone.
5: I took a drink. All right. I didn't know if it was day or night. I started kissing everything in sight. And when I kissed a cop down on 34th and Vine, he broke my little bottle of. Love potion number nine.
6: That's great.
5: Love potion number nine. See, I'm telling you, you know what? What? I'm going to get gigs from this now. Good. I'm going to get a bunch of calls. I hope you do. The Voice is going to call.
6: The Voice, American Idol.
5: American Idol. You know, what there's
6: else? a new show called Songland. Have you
5: seen you? I'll have get a that? call from there. Look, my phone's lighting up right oh, now. Oh, good. <laughs> Must be the producer. Maybe it's Simon Cowell.
6: Oh, wow. Could be Could him. Could be, Yeah. yeah.
5: Anyway, that's my go-to song. That's
6: good. That's a good one for yeah. you. Yeah, it's perfect.
5: But that's, I mean, any I can do a Billy Joel tune here or there. But okay. but when he goes I'm a Billy up, Joel fan. When he goes up, I can't. Okay. I gotta. I just have Stay to. I go on the down. Note. No, what I do is I go down. He goes up. You know, with a song with a with uh-huh. his voice, and then I just go an octave lower. Got it. <laughs> <laughs> you changed your
6: wording on it that time. I go an octave lower. Good.
5: All right, <laughs> frustrated singer. <laughs> Frustrated. What if if someone said, "Okay, you can you can fly. I'm going to give you the power to fly, or sing, or play the piano." Right? I would say sing.
6: Oh, i take fly in a, in a heartbeat. Really? Flying?
5: Oh, I get, always. I get high, heights kind of scare me. So I, would, I always wanted to be able the, to fly. Really? Always, always. I would go with the singing.
6: Don't be- you want the power and visibility, you but, know?
5: Well, uh, visibility would be right? good. You did, that wasn't one of the choices. I
6: know, but I'm changing your choices. <laughs> I could think big. <laughs> if we're going to make it up. Let's be big here. Let's be
5: bold. Uh, in this hour, the amazing... Mr. Malone. He could probably sing. Well, Amazing Mr. Malone. He's amazing. Nineteen fifty one George Petrie stars in that. And I'll tell you all about that series in a few minutes. But first we're gonna play our game. Is it real or is it ridiculous? Sponsored by Cat's Pride.
6: Yes, the celebrity is Matt Damon. And okay. uh, we are going to give away um, tickets for two adults and two children to Sycamore Speedway. Sycamore Speedway. I knew you were going to do that. Very suckering suck attack. Yeah, there we go. Sycamore Speedway. Okay, are we good now? Um, yeah. So we're going to go with caller number four. Call right now: three one two nine eight one seventy two hundred. Caller number four. We'll be right back.
8: Come on, baby. Let's get come on,
6: come on. We have Stephen on the line. Hi, Stephen.
5: Hey, how are you doing
6: tonight? I'm, I'm great. How are you? Hi, Steven.
5: Uh, I'm doing excellent. Terrific. All right.
6: We're going to do a little Real or Ridiculous with Matt Damon, and we're going to start with number one. Matt Damon and Ben Affleck are distant cousins. Is that real or ridiculous?
5: That's ridiculous. It's ridiculous.
6: It is real. That no. is ab- Oh,
5: it is. It is no. absolutely. Do you
6: doubt me? <laughs> <laughs> they are well, best we're friends. all
5: distant cousins no. we're, we're no. all from adam and eve so we're all distant cousins so. all
6: right well i'm gonna go with they actually are and their best friends and distant cousins carl's a sore loser number two he co-founded the organization h2o africa which supplies water to impoverished countries is that real or ridiculous
5: That's real. That's real. That That is real.
6: You are both absolutely right. One more to go. You ready, Carl? Yeah. Number three. Um, He was an extra in the 1989 film Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Real or ridiculous?
5: Uh, Real. Why not? I'm going to say ridiculous.
6: It's ridiculous. Nah. Just made that one up. <laughs> but you know what? You did a great job, uh, Stephen, and you have won general admission for two adults and two children to Sycamore Speedway, family owned since 1963. Plan your visit now at com. You're going to have a great time there. Thank you so much for calling in.
16: Awesome.
14: Thank you.
5: Terrific. Thank you, Stephen. He's a big winner, and now it's time for the amazing mister Malone. All right, you wanna know about this series, Lisa? I sure do. Crime series. Based on the John Malone series of mystery novels by Craig Rice. It came to ABC in 1948, lasted until 1951. Now, he was a socialite, John J. Malone. He was this socialite guy, but he was a tough Chicago criminal lawyer. So he was sort of like a detective, a socialite, and a lawyer, all mixed. Sort of like your husband, Dan. He'd be perfect for this part. He was born so a few lawyer, years he's too He's a late. socialite. Criminal guy, if he was tough only, Chicago lawyer. See, if he was
6: only born in the fifties, it would have been perfect.
5: And you know, he just kind of <laughs> served up his own justice. This uh, this Mister Malone. Uh, it aired on television in nineteen fifty one, starring Lee Tracy. On the radio show, there were a bunch of actors that played the part: Gene Raymond, George Petrie, which is on this particular episode, and Frank Lovejoy. So let's go back to a broadcast date of june 15th 1951 this is called early to bed early to rise here's george petrie in the amazing mr malone
4: the amazing mr malone Ah.
16: (laughs)
14: operator operator get me the office of john j malone
4: The National Broadcasting Company presents the Amazing Mr. Malone, an exciting half- hour of mystery starring George Petrie as the lawyer whose practice before every type of bar has become a legend. Arnold Cal is the city of Chicago, the time, the present, and the hero of these weekly adventures, The Amazing Mr. Malone. <laughs>
3: Malone's the name, John J. Malone, attorney and counselor at law. Tonight, in our study of the cliché, let's examine the familiar early to bed and early to rise makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. If that's true, Jeff Lewis is destined for failure. Jeff's a good-looking boy coming home at four in the morning. It's easy to understand why he keeps the same hour as I do. He's a musician. He plays piano with Rusty Gates Band. But Jeff's not the only musician in the family. He's got a wife who can sound off, too. But of course her solos aren't nearly as
18: sweet.
20: Is that you, Jeff?
18: Uh huh. Thought you'd be asleep, Claire.
20: When I sleep. You realize what time it is?
18: Yeah, it's four o'clock.
20: Where have you been? You got off at two.
18: I went out for coffee with Rusty.
20: You went out for coffee with Rusty. Yeah, that's what I said. I suppose you two were alone.
18: Oh, look, Claire, do we have to start that. I'm tired.
20: You're tired. Do you ever think of me sitting here till all hours of the night, worrying myself, sick, wondering what's happened to you, thinking maybe you got hit by a car?
18: Oh, now you're being ridiculous. Where are my pajamas? Now
20: I'm ridiculous. Yes. I don't know why you bother coming home at all.
18: I sometimes wonder myself. Then why
20: do you? Why don't you just say you're tired of me?
18: Well, if you want to know... I... Oh, wait, look. Look, honey, please. Let's, let's not fight. You know how I feel about you, but every night it's the same thing over and over again.
20: I'm, I'm sorry, Jeff. I don't mean to act like this. I just can't help myself. I love you so much I can't see straight.
18: I love you too, honey.
20: I don't blame you for being angry. But every time I see all those women hanging around the bench... <laughs> they're just a bunch
18: of jerks. I wouldn't
20: give two cents for any one of them. You're a darling to put up with me. Come on,
18: forget it, will you?
20: I make you some coffee?
18: Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a good idea.
20: Okay. I'll get right to work.
18: And maybe you can make a sandwich, too.
20: huh? I thought you ate with Rusty. What? When you came in, you said you were out with him. I was. Then how come you're so hungry?
18: All I said was Was that I... Was Rita there, too? Rita?
20: Oh, haven't you met Rusty's wife?
18: Listen, Claire, I thought you... you
20: two were old friends. After all, she's been singing with the band for three years. Now, look... Don't think you're fooling me. I know what's going on. You're out of your mind. You must have been. And I am now, not to see it before. Well, I'll say one thing for you, Mr. Lewis. You were real clever. But you're not going to get away with it, understand? I'll kill you first.
18: Oh, that doesn't...
20: Jeff! Jeff, where are you going? I didn't mean it, Jeff. Honey, please. Jeff! (laughs) Jeff!
3: A
18: second. Give me a chance. with. Look, you... I am alone. What's the idea, Jeff? Well, I was in the neighborhood, so I thought I'd just drop by.
3: What's the matter? Claire lock you out? Not that I blame her in your condition. <laughs> You're loaded.
18: <laughs> Ain't I, though,
3: huh? <laughs> well, that's one case I'll never get to handle. I thought you never touched the
18: stuff. Oh, I'm celebrating.
3: Yeah, you better sit down.
18: I don't mind if I do. Oh. <laughs> What's the trouble? Trouble... Who's got trouble? Obviously you have. Well, you know, you're right. Claire? Yeah.
3: Well, I suppose it was bound to happen. What do you want me to do? Start suit for divorce?
18: What what makes you say it was bound to happen?
3: You forget, I've seen her in action. Every time a dame asks you to play a tune, she goes nuts. Well, she she says she's crazy about me. I suppose she is.
18: Well, why can't we make a go of it, huh?
3: Because Claire's not happy unless she's tormenting herself. She's sick. Well, I'll draw up the papers first thing in the morning. Hey, you,
18: you know, you know what she said. <laughs> she accused me of having a mad romance with Rita, Rusty's wife. Yeah. <laughs> imagine me and Rita. <laughs> hey,
10: I suppose we did. That would teach you, huh?
3: If you're thinking what I think you are,
18: uh-huh.
3: forget it. Rusty'd break your back, and I wouldn't blame him. You let me get you a nice divorce.
18: The only girl I ever loved and you want to see is a part. Now, look, Jeff. All Claire needs is a lesson and she asked for it and she's gonna get it. I tell you, you're handling this the wrong way. How would you know you were never even married? Mm-hmm. And this sort of thing vindicates my judgment. You know, you're trouble, Malone. You're a cynic. And now I'm gonna prove that you're wrong. <laughs>
16: You guys want to get something to eat? Yeah.
18: What about you, Jeff? You coming along? Well,
16: I, I
8: thought
18: Rita and I were going to run over a couple of tunes.
16: We were going
18: to what? Well, don't you remember, Rita? You said you wanted to go over that oh, new cold Porter thing.
15: Well, that's right, I did. Well, why
16: don't you kids do it tomorrow, huh?
15: Well, you know what they say, Rusty. Never put off for tomorrow. Who you can do today?
8: <laughs> <laughs> are
15: don't you and the boys go to Mike's? We'll meet
16: you. All right. You fellas ready? Yeah,
15: let's what are you waiting for? We'll see you cats later. You bet. Yeah, let Well, I must be losing my mind.
18: I don't get you, Rita.
15: I don't remember asking you to run over any tunes with me.
18: Oh, sorry. I thought you did. I guess I misunderstood. No, you didn't. Why did you tell Rusty we were going to rehearse?
15: Because I've been working with you for three years, and this is the first time you ever gave me a tumble.
18: Well, if you'd uh, like to
15: skip it... uh... Are you kidding?
18: Well, (laughs) Well, shall we get right down to work?
15: You know you're cute. Hmm? I was wondering if you'd ever come around.
18: Look, uh, Rita, I—I uh, I made a mistake. You see, uh, I—did
15: I ask for any explanations? It's enough, you wanted to be alone
18: with me. No, you—you you, you don't understand. I Kit.
15: understand that we're wasting time. We got to meet Rusty. No,
18: but—but but you I, don't. I, 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 I... Mm. <sighs> hey, we, we shouldn't have done that, Rita.
15: Why does it hurt?
18: No, but
10: I—I I, I don't did think you that
15: aren't you... the darnest man for talking. Lucky I know a wonderful way to shut your mouth. Come here, baby. Let me
8: show you. Yeah? Is
20: that
18: you, Jeff? Oh, listen, Claire, I told you oh, before darling, not please. to. Please. You
20: can't hang up on me. You don't know what I've been going through all this week ever since you moved out.
18: I should have done it long ago. Maybe now you've got an idea what I've been through these past four years.
20: Jeff, I'm sorry. I'll make it up to you. If only you'll come home. No. Jeff, please. I promise I'll never be jealous again. I know you're only seeing Rita to teach me a lesson.
18: What makes you think so?
20: Because you love me.
18: Maybe I don't anymore.
20: No. Jeff, you mustn't say that. You don't believe it yourself.
18: Look, Claire got to get this through your head. Comes a time when a guy gets fed up. I've had it, baby. And you're the one who did the job.
16: Rita, see this in variety? Ray Herbeck's working at the Riverside Hotel in Reno.
15: Can't hear you, Russell.
16: I hope. What? I'll tell you later. I think we got company.
20: Just a second. Claire. I'm sorry to bother you, Rusty.
16: Oh, that's all right, honey. Come on in.
20: Have you seen Jeff? Well, what do you mean? He hasn't been home in a week. I'm going out of my well, mind.
16: you better sit down. You want a drink?
20: No, no, thanks. Rusty, you got to help me.
16: Oh, look, Claire, I, I don't like to interfere in somebody else's but business.
20: But this is I... your business. It never would have happened if it hadn't been for Rita. What? She turned him against me.
16: You're nuts.
20: Look, maybe she can fool you, but she can't fool me. I knew she was after him the minute I saw her. If you don't believe me, just... What's going on here? There she is after her. what? Play innocent Rita. It's out of character.
16: All right, Claire. I think you better go.
20: You don't believe me? How can you be so blind? Can't you see she's nothing but a no Shut good... Up.
16: Get out of here before I throw you out.
20: Why don't you ask about the other boys in the band? Why do you think Hank's wife made him leave? She was running after him. That's a lie. That's why you picked on Jeff. But he doesn't love you. He couldn't. Listen, you. The day I couldn't take...
16: Go on, Rita. The day you couldn't take what?
15: Honey, what's the matter with you? Are you going to listen to a crazy
16: dame? Who are you calling crazy? I
15: don't know about you, Rusty, but I don't have to put up.
16: You see? All right, Claire, all right. You said your piece. Now just clear out. Not until no, I've I... I've heard enough. Come on. Let go of me. Let me go. I'll let you go when you're outside. No. Yes.
8: Let go
15: of me. That girl's insane.
16: That's possible. Now, what is this about you and Jeff?
15: You're not going to believe her.
16: Not if you can convince me she's wrong. Rusty, I swear there's nothing to it. I wonder. Barney made a remark about you last night about your rehearsing all the time.
15: What if you don't want me to approve
16: Look, how come so suddenly you're interested, huh? You never cared before. Look, maybe it's time we did a little work together, huh? All right, Rita, you start singing. And you better make it Good.
18: Hello. Hello, desk. Yes, sir? This is Jeff Lewis in 419. Oh, yes, Mr. Lewis. I called for a bellboy 20 minutes ago. What happened to him? Oh, he's probably on his way up, sir. How's he coming, by way of Cicero? Please see if you can... Oh, never mind, he's here now. Just a second. I said just a second. You take a year and then... It... What are you doing here? No, you shouldn't have... <laughs>
0: All right, Lieutenant. What do you want? Well, it... hey, wait a minute,
3: Counselor. How'd you know it was me? Well, I've been answering my phone this way all week. The law of averages said I'd be right once. Oh, you're amazing, Mister Malone. That's what I keep telling you. What are you doing? Well, what else would I be doing at four in the morning? Ooh, what I know about you. Don't be so funny. I assume you have a reason
19: for disturbing me at this hour. You assume properly. Look, how
3: soon can he get down to headquarters? Why, what's up?
19: You know Jeff Lewis?
3: Oh, very well. What'd he get himself into? The morgue. What are you babbling about?
19: He was knocked off at 2.30 this morning. Who did it? Well, we kind of suspicion it was his wife, but naturally you're going to prove we're wrong. Did
3: Claire ask you to phone me?
19: You don't think I'd waste the taxpayer's money
8: on a call of my own? Come on down, Malone. Your public's waiting. <laughs>
4: listening to The Amazing
8: Mr.
5: Malone. What do you think of that, Lisa? That's the first portion of The Amazing Mr. Malone. I
6: think Mr. Malone is pretty darn amazing.
5: Yeah, you think so?
6: I think so. I mean, not (laughs) as amazing as you are, of course. I don't know if he he can sing like you can. He can't
5: sing as good as... He probably can't sing... um, Not as
6: well as you do, but he has other talents.
5: He's not getting calls from The Voice and no. all well, these other places like I You just like hang I on am. to your phone. Getting calls like crazy here. Yeah. You know how much better that would have been if I was in the shower singing it? I with
6: don't want to imagine that. Thank Gosh. you, though. Right. That's not a good visual. George
5: Petrie starring in The Amazing Mr. Malone. More in just a moment.
4: Back to WGN Radio Theater with Earl Amari and Lisa Wolfe.
5: All righty. We're listening to The Amazing... Mr. Malone, and uh, this is called Early to Bed, Early to Rise, George Petrie. June 15, 1951, here's the conclusion.
4: And now, back to the amazing Mr. Malone.
3: Like the man says, that's life for you. One minute you got it, and the next minute you ain't. Jeff Lewis found that out the hard way. Half hour after I got the news, I was on my way to headquarters. And when I walked in, I was greeted by Lieutenant Brooks with the most original line of the year.
19: Well, if it ain't the amazing Mr. Malone. You
3: know something, Lieutenant? You could stand some new material.
19: Yeah, but where am I going to find a writer on my salary? Where's Claire Lewis? You want to see her now? Well, what do you think I came down here for? Well, I kind of hoped it was me. Sussman, get Claire Lewis. I What's the matter with him? He didn't even say hello. Well, he didn't recognize you with that briefcase under your arm. What do you got near your laundry?
20: Excuse me. The sergeant... Oh,
19: come on in, Claire.
20: Malone. You came.
3: Uh Uh-huh. Sit down.
20: They tell you about Jeff? Uh Uh-huh. He's dead, Malone. Jeff's dead. I know. I don't want to live anymore.
3: You're talking like a fool.
20: I don't want to live without him.
3: Why'd you send for Malone? Well... Well, he's got a point there, lover. Now, either you want me to get you off... I
20: don't know what I want.
3: Who do you think killed him?
20: Rita. Rita Gates? Yeah. She did it, Malone. Why should she? Because she... She knew he didn't care for her. He was just using Rita to get back at me.
19: Did Jeff tell you that? He didn't have to. When was the last time you saw him?
20: Uh, I I don't remember.
19: I can tell you. It was at 2.30 this morning. He went to his hotel when he opened the door. No, no,
20: no, no. That's not true. I love you. Why don't you
3: lay off her, Sidney? Can't you see what she's gone through?
19: Oh, use your head, Malone. She killed him as sure as you're standing. No, no. All right, Lieutenant. You made a lot of accusations, but where's your evidence? We'll produce it at the trial. Then you haven't any yet, huh? Have you any? She didn't.
3: No, I guess we're all in the same boat, and it's up to me to find a paddle. All right, Claire. Take care of yourself. I'll be seeing you real soon. (laughs) Hello, Rita.
15: Why Malone. Can I come in? Well, Rusty's not here.
3: It's all the better. I never believed it's so nice to have a man around the house.
15: <laughs> if you're not the one.
3: Ain't I, though?
15: <laughs> Let me take your coat.
3: Oh bother. It's fine.
15: You no, know, I should be mad at you.
3: What on earth for?
15: You haven't been over at the club to hear me sing in months.
3: Oh, I'll never forgive myself. Would you feel better if I slash my wrist? <laughs> you're cute. You ought to see me in my confirmation suit. I look like a doll in it. Too bad I got to break it in at Jeff's funeral.
15: Oh, do we have to talk about
3: him? What would you sooner talk about? Us. And then we have to come back to Jeff. I don't like to start a campaign with my last rival still warm in the morgue.
15: What's that supposed to mean?
3: Well, it occurred to me maybe you killed him. Are you crazy? You know, when you found out he was playing you for a sucker. He
15: played me for a sucker? Yeah, it was
3: an idea he got one night in my apartment. You're lying. He wanted to give Claire something really to worry about. I tried to tout him get off. Get out. What's the matter? Don't you think I'm cute anymore? You're going
14: to get out of
3: here? Now, Rita, don't you dare throw that up! Uh, hey, you missed me. I'll show you. Uh-uh, don't bother, Laura. I'm convinced a girl like you couldn't miss twice. Maybe I'll give you another chance later. <laughs>
16: only me, Rita. Oh, Rusty, I'm so glad you're home.
15: Are you? Yeah, I had a miserable afternoon. How'd the rehearsal go?
16: Real bad. Boys are all sick about Jeff.
15: Yeah, I guess it'll be tough breaking in a new piano player.
16: Is that all you can think of?
15: Oh, now, Rusty, I explained that. Claire was imagining things. Jeff didn't mean a thing to me.
16: Mm-hmm. What was Malone doing here? Oh. Huh? Malone, the lawyer.
15: Oh, oh. He's representing Claire. He thought maybe I could help her out.
16: Mm, what'd you tell him?
15: What could I tell him?
16: Maybe about you and Jeff having a deal.
15: Oh, you're getting as bad as she Look, is. if
16: you mean I'm jealous, you're right. Only I got a good reason.
15: Look, Rusty, we've been all through mm-hmm. this before. Sure we
16: have. And you convinced me Claire was nuts. Yeah, you really talked me out of it. <sighs> but since then, honey, I've been doing a little checking.
15: Well, you've got your nerve.
16: You know I'm crazy about you, Rita. But you're no good. What? Everybody knows it
15: you talk to me like that. Well, who's
16: got a better right? Do you know it's funny. It doesn't make any difference. I don't care what you did. I still feel the same way about
15: you. Well, I'm overwhelmed.
16: Now I want to know what Malone said. It's
15: none of your business.
16: Yes, it is, baby. And I'm going to find out if I have to shake it Let, out of you.
15: No, Rusty! No! Rusty!
8: No! <laughs>
3: It was just one of those things, just one of those crazy things, one of those bells that now and then rings. A little flat there, Malone. Just. Now, look, Rusty, I can go along with a gag, but this is too much. You know, this is the third week in a row I've walked in here and found the joint occupied. You better get a new lock. It's an idea. What do you want? I just finished having a little talk with Rita. Now I suppose it's my turn.
16: Mm Hmm. What'd you say to her? Didn't Rita tell you? Maybe I want to compare notes.
3: You don't have to worry, Rusty. This was purely business. Is it about Jeff Lewis?
16: Yeah. Yeah. And she was telling the truth. You're trying to frame her for his murder. I don't have to frame He's her. Malone, if you involve Rita in this, I'll kill you. I mean that. Hmm. I believe you do. Her name is not to be mentioned at Claire's trial. Now, you understand me? I don't see how we're
3: going to keep it out. I
16: want to you. You bring her in, and I'll break every bone in your body,
3: even my little pinky. What's the matter? do you think I can You're taking in a lot of territory. According to the encyclopedia, there are hundreds of bones in the human frame. And if you think I'm, oh, wait a minute, you wouldn't hit a man who was yellow, would you? I'll show you. You're no, pushing no, 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 me hold too Hold it, Rusty. Why can't we be friends? Just to prove I've got no heart, feeling. Get away from that. I just want to get this bottle. Maybe we can. Let it together Well, that's opening it the hard way but you'll have to forgive me friend. I forgot my corkscrew. <laughs>
19: yo hoo Is anybody home? Oh, no. What did I do to deserve this? Nothing. That's why you should be grateful. Look, Lieutenant, I want to talk to you. Must you? Yeah, but first, how about shutting off that teletype? Are you out of your mind? I'm expecting a very important flash. The score of the White Sox game will be through any minute. Well, if you won't do it... You know, that's what I like. I like to see a man make himself at home. Where's Claire Lewis? You know darn well where she is. Well, you gotta let her go. Oh, I suppose you can prove she's innocent. Yes, I got it all figured out. I'm telling you,
3: Brooks, you bring her to court and I'll crucify you. You haven't even established a motive for the girl. Are
19: you kidding? Claire was crazy about Jeff and she lost
3: No, she didn't. Jeff was only seeing Rita to needle her. Look, look,
19: Malone, I got work to do now. Now, why don't you go home? I can't. Home ain't a fit place for me right now. You know who's there? All right, I'll play straight. Who's there, Mr. Malone? Jeff Lewis is killer. No. I'm
3: serious, Lieutenant. It's Rusty
19: Gates. What's he doing at your place?
3: Right now, I imagine he's dozing. I put him to sleep with a bottle. What are you talking about? I had a conquer. Why? Well, it was either him or me, and naturally, I was prejudiced. Did he have a gun? No. Well, why didn't you use your fist? Are you kidding? Rusty must weigh 240 pounds. So? So, he would have murdered me. That's no excuse. Oh, look, Lieutenant, quit the kibbutzon. I tell you, he killed Jeff. Why? He thought Jeff
19: was breaking up his happy home. Oh, you make it sound very convincing. Thanks. I said it sounded convincing. Actually, it ain't. What are you babbling about now? Jeff was killed at 2.30 at the Hillcrest Hotel. So? So, at 2.30... Rusty was doing a benefit on the North Shore where he was seen by 80,000 citizens. Well, that doesn't make sense. Yeah, that's right. Now, how can one man be in two places at the same time, unless he's amazing? And you're the only one who rates that billy. Well, it's been grand, Malone. Drop by again when you can't stay so long.
4: You are listening to The Amazing Mr. Malone. Here again is the amazing Mr. Malone.
3: Well, there was no use denying Malone had done it again. Here I'd worked out so neatly why Rusty Gates had to be the killer and Lieutenant Brooks had to knock it out of my head. You'd think he had a grudge against me the way he kept ruining my theories. <laughs> Actually, Brooks is crazy for me. He just hides it so well, he even fools himself.
19: You know, you trouble, Malone. You get emotionally involved with the clients you represent. Now, why can't you be like the other lawyers in town?
3: Why should I? You ever hear their names on the radio? Now, look, I thought you were going to talk sense. You wouldn't understand me if I did. Now, listen, Sidney, are you positive that Rusty was at that benefit? Absolutely. What'd he do? He led the band. What'd you think?
19: Now how come Jeff Lewis wasn't there? He wasn't feeling good, so they used the sub. And when did the band go on? At a quarter after two. Well, suppose Rusty got off the stand for a while. Uh-uh. Not a chance. Besides, he never could make it to the Hillcrest. It would take him at least 45 minutes to cut across town. Well,
3: he must have worked it somehow. Now, how could one man be in
19: two places at the same time? Hey, I asked you that. You know something, Lieutenant? I got the solution. Oh, no, not again. I mean it.
3: Don't you see the answer? No. Well, can we get all our suspects together? Who do you mean? Rita and Rusty. What about Claire? Oh, of course. We'll need her, too. We don't want to play to a house that's only two-thirds full. Well, get on with it, Lieutenant. I'm ready to give the downbeat. (laughs)
15: Hey, sergeant,
18: sergeant. You want me, Mrs. Gates? Yeah.
15: How long do you intend to keep us here?
18: Till I get orders. Contrariwise.
15: Well, my husband's sick. He needs medical attention. Can't you see he's got a cut on his head? Oh, I'm all right, Rita. No,
20: you're just trying to be brave. Does it hurt bad, sweetie? No. You picked a fine time to start worrying just about keep him.
16: Keep out of this, Claire.
20: She killed my husband, and you asked me to keep out? Oh, you're
15: really
10: crazy. I'll show you who's crazy.
8: Rusty, oh, help. Come on, Claire. cut I'll it out. Now, now,
10: ladies. What'll the police oh, think? You let me you go. Better open them up, Lieutenant,
8: before we have here. a bloodbath. All right, me, you
19: two. That's enough. Let me, let me go. I said that's enough. Now behave yourself.
3: She
20: started it. If I ever get my Are hands you on you. Are to
19: behave?
20: I'm sorry, Lieutenant.
3: Is it safe for me to come in?
20: Oh, don't
19: worry, Cops. Let the girls' won't hurt you. I was thinking of oh, Rusty. Well, forget it, Malone. I had it coming. <laughs> oh, it's very charitable of you.
15: What's the idea, Malone? That's
3: a very good question, Rita. Fortunately, I'm prepared with an answer. We're trying to solve the murder of Jeff Lewis. She did it. That's what I thought for a while, Claire, but I had to discard that theory. The truth of the matter is, Jeff didn't mean enough to her. As far as Rita was concerned, he was just another guy. Why, you know Now, that... lover, that's no way to talk to a man who just gave you a clean bill of health.
20: Well, if she didn't kill him, who did?
3: You're leaving yourself wide open there, Claire. What? Yeah. You did it.
20: No. No, that's not true. I'm
3: afraid it is.
8: I'll kill you for this.
3: Me too? Hmm. I just don't understand you women. Here you claim you couldn't live without Jeff. And when I arrange for you to join him, you complain. Well, I guess there's no pleasing some people. <laughs> I
19: can't get over it. I just
3: can't get over it. There's something bothering you, little
19: man. Yeah, yeah. Now you can have the colossal nerve to sit there and eat after lousing this whole case
3: up. That's gratitude for you, and after all the work I did. After all the work you did. What do you think clinched your case against Claire? Don't you know without me you'd have never gotten a conviction? What do you eat that gives you so much gall? I'm perfectly serious. Why any decent lawyer could have gone into court and gotten an acquittal? All he would have had to do is cast a reasonable doubt on your evidence. I ended that doubt once and for all. Well, I don't see how. By taking care of all the other suspects. I proved Rusty couldn't have killed Jeff. You proved? With a little assistance from you. Uh, But the unknown factor in the case was Rita. I knew she wasn't guilty. uh, And how did you know that? Because when I went up to see her this afternoon, she convinced me Jeff meant nothing to her by making a play for me. And no woman who's lost a great love would have done that. Aren't you forgetting your charm? Now, what are you so bitter about? Here I demonstrate to the public that their police force is on the job day and night. And despite all the propaganda to the contrary, the cops are right once in
19: a while. Jade, thanks.
3: And what do I get out of it? Two women in a case and I wind up in a
19: night spot with you. Well, don't feel too badly, Counselor. I've got a feeling before this evening's over, you're going to wind up with something else. Yeah? What? The check. Good night, Malone. (laughs) lord.
3: ever hear the story of the boy who worked out a scheme to convert common metals into precious ones? It paid off in reverse. But two ounces of gold, he got one of lead. I'll tell you all about it next week, so why not pick me up at my office at the same time? I'll be waiting for you. Good night. George Petrie was
4: starred as John J. Malone, with Larry Haynes as Lieutenant Brooks. Our program is written by Eugene Wang and directed by Richard Lewis. The Amazing Mr. Malone is based on a famous character created by Craig Rice and produced by Bernard L. Schubert. The events and characters in this story were entirely fictional, and any resemblance to persons living or dead is entirely coincidental. It's the Silver Jubilee on NBC. Straight from the pages of the Saturday Evening Post comes that famous oriental detective, Mr. Moto. Created by John P. Marquand, Mr. Moto stars James Monks in the title role Sunday on NBC. Fred Collins speaking. The amazing Mr. Malone has come to you from New York. Stay tuned for The Man Called X, next over most NBC stations.
5: That's the amazing Mrs. Wolf. I mean, Mr. Malone from June 15th, 1951. Early to bed, early to rise. And that starred George Petrie, also Larry Haynes in that cast. Uh, Fred Collins doing the announcing, and I hope you enjoyed that. Are
6: you early to bed, early to rise, Carl? Yeah, I am. Makes I'm a actually, man healthy, wealthy, look and wise. Here
5: with us in the studio. Oh my gosh, it, that's one have of your a very offspring. Special
6: guest, one, one of, of your my offspring. sixty-seven children. No, Marissa. Marissa here is here. To here. Say hello, hey Marissa. Go,
5: there's the mic. Just say hi to everybody. Yeah, that's the one. Oh wait, hang on a second. Come close. Am I on the wrong microphone? Talking. Say, say it again. There's Marissa. there she goes. There she is. Oh, that's nice. Well, she uh, came
6: about eight minutes before the show ends. Yeah, so she. We'll have she a lot of time to have some in fun. And the Uber
5: over, she was listening to the show. So she. So that's good. All right, let's take a quick break. Then it's more on the WGN Radio Theater. I'm going to ask Marissa a question. Ready, Marissa? Yes. Wait, how come I'm not getting her on it? Here, try that's again. That's number six. Try again. This microphone is not working. Um, Maybe you don't know how
6: to push the buttons. No,
5: it's just not working. All right. Yeah, come over here. Go to number five. Go over to number five. Yeah, number six is not working. Um, Marissa, are you there? Yes. Talk. One, hello. No, go to this one. Oh, this one's working. No, go to four. Oh, okay. Hang on. There's, these are not working. These microphones, are oh, seriously, are not working. Are you
6: sure it's the microphones?
5: Yes. You ready? Hello.
6: There we, there go. we go. They are not working right.
5: telling you. Hi. All right, there we go. I have a question for you, Marissa. Okay. I wanna know if your mother ever put you in a shopping cart. Did she do that? She did. She I
6: told you I did.
5: Put that is not Good no, i I would that is put not you and I would
6: ask to go into the shopping cart. Oh
5: my! And I then she would to. leave you there and go shopping, and you'd be in the cart.
6: Yes. No, I didn't leave no, you there. She would push us. With I, her. I kept her with me. We <laughs> would <laughs> ask to go. There were. At
5: I'm Target. calling, Um, what Listen, is it? There were something two seats. services.
6: That's right. We at went Target. To... There were two seat shopping carts. So me and my sister would sit in the two seaters. That's true. And I'd push this mammoth cart down the road.
5: I hope yeah. someone from Child Services is listening <laughs> right now. <laughs> so they can arrest take you take me away yeah in handcuffs kicking
6: and screaming <laughs> in handcuffs
5: <laughs> marissa i love your voice you should be in radio
6: oh thank you she has a
5: great great well voice. she just
6: graduated college and not in radio so we'll see how things go what was your
5: major
20: elementary education oh, so wow. if you're looking for a, a, a teacher. teacher please i'm, yeah. I'm looking also. hey listen
5: lisa wolf's Daughter, Marissa. She's how old? How old are you now? Twenty-one. Twenty-one. She's looking for a teaching gig. Any of you principals out there? Just text us here at three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. I
6: 7200 I'm incredible. No, you can you can check it on Facebook. Go to WGN Radio Theater Facebook.
5: Is that how you do it? All right, we're serious now. No, we're not
6: kidding. You want to teach? She's the best of the best. Elementary.
5: And what does that mean? Like all the different things you teach? You teach everything.
20: Well, I'm early childhood, so preschool through three.
5: Looking for a gig?